What up, what up, everybody? This is Double G for the Fight Game Podcast. I want to start the show with a special shout-out to my co-host, John LaRocca, and his wife, Katrina, on the birth of their third child, Kaylee LaRocca. Now, John, my first question to you is, did you name her after a the WWE wrestler? Of Kaylee Ray? No, no. Actually, this is uh, one of the names we had picked out before we had, you know, before we had Chloe. So it kind of, it's kind of weird. This time around, it was, you know, poor Kaylee. Like, we were kind of, like, thinking of names, and it was kind of like, what about Kaylee? And then we had, like, well, maybe something else will come up, and we'll, we'll pick that name or something. We'll just leave it open. But nothing ever came up, and we couldn't figure out anything else. So it ended up being Kaylee. So so it's going to be fun for me saying Chloe and Kaylee. So it's going to be. <laughs> didn't realize that until... <laughs> Until recently, so but uh, no, nah, baby's doing good. So mama's mama's doing good, and uh, yeah, we were extremely happy. And it was a you know the surgery went well. She had a C-section, and it went well. And uh, that was the first time she doing that, and it was great. So yeah, we're, we're extremely happy right now. So you are only going to be on for a couple segments tonight because obviously you guys have been quite busy. But I know you wanted to come on, so we will talk about our our Wednesday night. Uh, Wednesday Night War segment that we've been doing since the beginning of, uh, I guess it's now 10 weeks, I think. Um, and then, um, you know, we'll do this intro as well, but I, I br- I'm going to bring on Jason Hagholm, who is someone who I recorded, like, old versions of what this podcast eventually mm-hmm. became. We used to call it FGB Radio. I mean, we're talking, like, eight or nine, you know, eight years ago, seven years ago. You know, we were just kind of just getting reps in and trying to figure out how to do a podcast back then. So I'm going to bring him on, and we're going to talk UFC and boxing. And then he's going to do the 93 Raw segment that you and I do. He was, um, I think he's like a little kid. Like, he's like not even out of, like, toddler uh, clothes at this point in 1993 because he's mm-hmm. a pretty young guy. But um, so he, he and I will talk about all those things. So... Um, so you and I are, are going to talk about uh, the Wednesday night war, like I mentioned, but, um, I just, you know, I just wanted to kind of give you the, the floor a little bit and just, you know, talk about, um, everything's going, you know, having the third kid, like just, uh, you know, what do you, what are you feeling right now, man? Um, pretty overwhelmed, honestly. Um, it's going to be definitely a challenge. Three kids, uh, third one being a total surprise. <laughs> um, kind of like how I was. I'm a th- I'm the, the youngest of three. So, um, just kind of funny how sometimes life's mirrored, you know, mirrors each other, like from your parents to you. And, you know, I thought that only happened in star Wars, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it seems to be happening to me. And, um, I, I mean, I'm excited. I mean, I love kids. I love being a dad and it, uh, if it's really fulfilling and I enjoy spending time with them, it's going to be a lot, but I have a, you know, Katrina's a great mom, great wife. And, and you now we're just going to team up together. And, you know, I always say like, you know, I was, I was good with two because I'm, 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 I'd rather play man to man than zone, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. looks like we're going to have to start studying up on our zone defense with these kids. So, and hunters, you know, he's only 18 months and he's, he's walking and starting to talk more and starting to, clobber his uh, sister bigger sister with lightsabers and stuff so <laughs> he's a total boy today we we're watching um well today is thursday night so we we're watching i had the football game on he likes watching football and it's crazy how kids like every time a commercial break happened he just grabbed the control and give it to me 
to fast forward. <laughs> and I'm like, this is not that kind of, this is live TV, boy. We got to watch it, you know? And he just like was getting, every time the commercial break, he's like, here you go, dad. Here's, I'll, I'm going to grab every control we have in this room till you figure out how to fast forward these commercials. So it's just interesting. But, uh, but yeah. And then Chloe, she's super excited about being a big, big sister to a little girl. And, and it was funny the other night she said, she goes, Kaylee, what's her name again? Kaylee. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad I picked that name. <laughs> and I'm like, you picked it? She's like, yeah, I'm glad I did. It's a really good name. I'm like, okay. <laughs> she's, just, <laughs> she's a ham. So, yeah. We're excited, man. It's, it's like I said, it's going to be a challenge. And I know you had two boys. And, you know, you know how it is being a parent. So, it, it's 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 going to be a lot of fun. And, and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to, you know, growing old with them and seeing how they how they become adults and great people to society, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this uh, the Fight Game Podcast is brought to you this weekend by Roman. Um, I, I, you know, I was trying to think of a tagline of what this show actually is. Like, if if you were doing the, you know, the 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 one sentence pitch to somebody about what the show is about, I, I call it the uh, cross section, a podcast that sits at the cross section of boxing, MMA, and pro wrestling. Uh, for those of you who have just uh, started listening to us, welcome. You know, we have some p- folks who've been listening to us for a while. We we love you. Uh, you know, we are a uh, we are a community show as well. We have a f- uh, we have a f- uh, Facebook group that is just growing, and you know, we have a no sort of a no troll rule, and just really smart conversations going on. So if you are interested, you know, check out the at Fight Game uh, Twitter account, and and the first pinned post is is uh, has all that information. And then, um, you know, if you if you like the show, subscribe and and you know get it in your podcast feeds. And if you have Apple Podcasts, uh, rate and review us, and that just helps you know with search and algorithms and stuff. So welcome. Um, and so what we're gonna do. I'm actually we're just gonna do this short intro and then I'll throw it uh, and then I'm gonna get Jason to come on. Um, but we put out the very first episode of the We Want Flare podcast that we did. Gosh, I think it's like over two years ago now, or maybe it's like yeah, I think it's over two years ago wow. that we originally did that show with Flare and Brian Pimlin. We were kind of like you know wanted to to do an offshoot of this show, but. You know, because of time and stuff, we, we weren't able to do it the way that we wanted. And, you know, we're bringing it back in 2020. So I wanted to put out the shows that we did do so that people can kind of hear what the what our idea was. And then in 2020, we're going to come back in January and February to go over the uh, Flair Fujinami matches from the Super Show, which in Japan was called Starcade, And then when they come back for Super Brawl and just really talk about the history of what was going on at that time. And, you know, soon thereafter flair is going to be out of there uh hence we want flair so uh so yeah so I'll, i will put up episode two which is the barry windham uh battle the belts match that uh that they did that we talked about uh and then uh and then yeah you know what you know the way you can follow that show is you know find uh you know find the match and uh and throw it on and then listen to the show and, and you know see see what you think about what we said but you know, if you jo- if you do join the the Facebook group, I will throw that match up as uh, as I lay as I put up the podcast early next week before next week's episode of this show. So that's just the update there. So let's take a break here, and I'm going to get Jason on to talk about UFC 245. 
pretty big show for the UFC this weekend. Probably their best show up and down as far as main card is concerned. So uh, let me bring on Jason now. All right, now bringing back an old friend, Jason Hagholm. Jason, how 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 many episodes do you think we did of this show when it was uh, when it was uh, kind of a a secret show? It wasn't it wasn't something that we were necessarily promoting very hard, but you were you were on a lot. Uh, probably about like between twenty and thirty, maybe yeah. like thirty five. Yeah, it was back when I called it. Uh, f- I think it was called FGB Radio because it used to be Fight Game Blog, and and you know we were just kind of shooting stuff. And I was trying to figure out how to do a podcast and not really promoting it hard. But now, uh, net now it's a uh, Fight Game, the Fight Game podcast, and so we're pushing it out hard. We have the Facebook group that you are a part of, and uh, and everything. And now you're you're doing your own podcast, and you're doing. MMA, uh, broadcasting, and all that stuff. So it's been kind of fun to see yeah, how you've kind of grown into all of this stuff, all this broadcasting. Yeah, I mean, I've been doing a lot of broadcasting, as you said, a lot of MMA stuff for the BTC fight promotion based out of Burlington, but running a lot of shows throughout the province of Ontario with two shows guaranteed for next year already with, uh, <coughs> excuse me, with the show set for February 29th uh, in my hometown of Kitchener and a show at the beginning of June in their home base of Burlington. So yeah, I've been doing a lot of that. And then of course doing podcasts. I do interviews with MMA fighters throughout the country of Canada here uh, for the MMA Chronicles and as well doing the all elite review show with my partner uh, Kevin Laramie reviewing AEW Dynamite and pay-per-views and as well the other big thing I'm doing is uh, broadcasting Kitchener Rangers OHL hockey games so yeah my career has really taken off from when we first started doing this what back in 2011 2012 if you were a pro wrestling manager at at an indie, you'd be like Marl, the Marl Ronello path. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Marl's always one of my been my favorites too. So it's like trying to get everything involved there to just you know broaden your horizons, which is, I think is one of my strong suits because I know a lot of people just want to do hockey, and I just want to do everything. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I think that's probably the way to go too. Just be as as uh, into as many things as possible because you never know when uh, when something opens up. Yeah. So, uh, so you know, as as, uh, as uh, we we just talked about my uh, John Larocca, who's uh, who's the uh, my my partner. Uh, he just had a kid, so I I kind of gave him a break this week, and uh, he and I. We talked, uh, we, you know, we just kind of did the intro, but we're gonna we're gonna talk about AEW and um, and NXT in a bit. But before that, I wanted to talk to you. I wanted to bring you on because there's a big UFC show this weekend, UFC 245, possibly the the best show, at least on paper, of the year. <laughs> And um, you know, I think it's uh, I think it's one of those shows where most of uh, the MMA audience will will be trying to check it out. And so I wanted to talk about that with you. And then after we get done with this, we'll talk a little boxing. And uh, and then I'm gonna go after I talk to John, like I said about the AEW and NXT stuff. Then you and I are gonna come back again, and we'll talk Raw from 1993. I know this is a great era of yours, so you're hanging out for actually a couple, three segments actually, because because uh, we'll go to commercial or we'll. we'll go to the ad in, in a second here but 
three segments, so I really appreciate you hanging out. It's it's fun to do this with you again. So let's actually kick it off with uh, some UFC 245 talk. How just just in general, John and I kind of do this like heat check. Like you know, what, how do you feel about this show? If you were to if you were to gauge your interest, uh, you know, between one and ten, UFC 245. How excited are you for this show? I think this show's definitely a strong, about a strong eight. I mean, the whole Colby Covington stuff right now is generating a lot of buzz. It's It seems like whenever there's a microphone in front of his face, it is creating some sort of buzz. I mean, there are three title fights with arguably the best uh, women's fighter uh, of all time in uh, Amanda Nunes taking on Jerron Duranime and Max Holloway, always an exciting fighter against uh, uh, Alex Volkanovsky. But it's all about Colby Covington. And I think a lot of people either want to see him win want to, or want to see him get beat up, the old Roddy Piper mentality, uh, back for the build of the first WrestleMania. But I think the interest would definitely be a strong eight. That's actually a pretty good number because one of the themes of the podcast uh, this year for John and I was just how not I, – I don't think the UFC is – necessarily boring because there are great fighters up and down the company like the like the you know the talent as far as actual fighting as the as the sport has evolved and you know more people are 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 fighting instead of maybe you know playing other sports I think the, the 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 actually the talent level is really high, but it's just sort of the the hotness of the product. You know, when when just a few years ago, you know, we had Ronda and Conor McGregor, and before that, you know, Brock and stuff. And then there's like not really that person right now who's kind of carrying the organization. Uh, even someone like Khabib, who you know he gained so much from from beating uh, beating Conor. You know, he's just he's like now he's rich and he's kind of dictating what's going on. So uh, so yeah, it's a little bit lacking from the star making uh side of things but and, and, and you know with espn plus that's probably that was probably going to happen anyways but um this card in general i don't know if you know if usman beats covington is he all of a sudden going to become this big box office guy probably not uh max holloway sort of been you know on the verge of breaking out uh but he just doesn't really have th- that opponent and probably doesn't have it here, even though Volkanovski is an amazing fighter. And I think this card, what it really is to me is it is a great definition of what UFC in 2019 is, which is tremendous fights, talent up and down this card. I mean, when you have Jose Aldo and Uri Faber uh, at the, you know, st- opening up the, the main card, like that's, you know, there's your star power sort of right there. But uh, but all, but it's just lacking, you know, that one killer uh, draw. And, you know, I think I think it'll do good business because, you know, past UFCs have shown, like, if you have really quality main events that, you know, people will come. But it's still it still feels a little bit of lacking in, like, the star department to me. Yeah, I mean, UFC has kind of gone through that that realm and then they've changed their business model, especially in the United States, where everything now is through ESPN Plus, where here in Canada, the option is you if you still just want to buy like a pay-per-view like this, that's available through your your provider but i mean i buy it most of my stuff through the fight pass app but are the, the star power it seems like it's starting to make its way back like connor's coming back at the beginning of january you have khabib tony ferguson hopefully for the fifth time in april but this is a card where you see 
the in the meantime, while Conor McGregor's taking 2019 off, there's a lot of names that have really grown and and showcasing themselves off. Like Uriah Faber, you mentioned a guy we've known in the past coming back, but it, it'll be interesting to see. He's in tough against a tough guy in Peter Yan. Jose Aldo makes his debut at 135 pounds, which if you've seen the photos, I don't <laughs> know how well this is going to be. He's got tomorrow to, to weigh in. He seems to be saying it's going to be okay, but. I mean, he looks like Skeletor out there, but I mean, I think if you're going to look at the biggest star, really, it's got to be Amanda Nunez, like pound for pound, the greatest women's fighter of all time. Just look at her resume, Misha Tate, Ronda Rousey, Chris Cyborg. I mean, this is a star that the UFC is definitely grateful to have, and she's not even that big of a box office yet. Yeah, and I think, you know, in, <clears throat> she you know she is missing Ronda, right? Like, she used... She 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 had Ronda to overcome, and that was supposed to be the the star making performance. But like you mentioned, you know, even I feel I feel like even you know even after she like knocks out Cyborg in a round, and then she you know she knocks out Holly Holm in a round. Like there's still not a a big uh, outside of your hardcore MMA fans. There's not really uh, a, a big appetite for her fights. And, and you know, obviously like you know. Deronda May, she's already beat her fairly easily in, uh, I guess it was now, it's like five years ago, six years ago, but you know, I don't think people were like, oh, we can't wait to see this fight. It's just she is the greatest women's fighter of all time, and she's on a card. Not dissimilar to, you know, when Anderson Silva used to go through, you know, whoever the next the next middleweight was up because he had beaten everybody. But I, th- I sort of feel like it's like that. You kind of, ha- if you are a fan, you want to see her because she is the best, and and you're gonna miss her when she's gone. But um, yeah, she doesn't really have that dance partner to. She's beat them all, like you know, Cyborg, Holly Holm. Ronda Rousey that's that's the that's the who's who uh, of women's MMA right there and she went through all of them and still you know she hasn't really crossed over as a mainstream star and and I don't know if she can really but um let's just go through uh the the top two fights I think we both believe um, Amanda's probably not gonna have too much too much of a problem with Deronda May and and unless you do then we can talk about it but I kind of just want to focus on these top two fights because you have Usman who is uh, undefeated in the UFC and he has he has he has been a bit of a bulldozer, and Colby Covington, who's trying really hard to become relevant, uh, not only by you know winning fights, you know he's only lost one fight in the UFC himself, but also using his mouth and and taking a uh, <laughs> a very polarizing. Um, side of things when it comes to, to politics that that makes him like you said very hateable to one uh, to one side and, and very lovable to to another side but how do you see this fight going and who are you taking well this is a fight that I think is just so compelling in the sense of they're pretty much the same like minus political views and and certain other things like same record both Colby Covington and Kamar Usman are 15 and 1 both have the same style like they can really work you with their wrestling and just really control the fight thanks to their superior wrestling but to me it's like Colby's maybe got the better pure wrestling and when you look at what he's been able to do in the UFC like he's been able to get at least a couple finishes out out there with a ground and pound and a rear naked choke whereas Camaro just puts that pressure on you wrestles you holds you down and doesn't let you get back up um I don't know I just feel like with that those styles they just the wrestling will cancel out 
And I think Usman's hands are just too much, too much power. He'll find a way to get a break out of the clinch and either clip Colby with an uppercut or a hook. And I just see him winning that way. I, he just looks way too calm, way too taking the moment in whereas Colby's just really putting on a show and even said today like look if he wins he plans on just retiring and going to WWE like his goal right now seems to be get out of MMA and do pro wrestling which seems to now be his true love and was doing pro wrestling stuff with Impact a couple years ago but I just I just see Usman he just seems to be taking the moment in enjoying this ride enjoying you know his first real main event as a champion and I think when you look at someone that's just so cool and calm and relaxed that to me is something that's really frightening I think Colby's a little uptight knowing what he said and just how much you know eyes are on him really hoping that he loses so I think one thing that's interesting is <clears throat> Colby he fought one time in 2018 and he's only fought one time in 2019 uh, whereas Usman was what was really active last year and not active this year, and and it just seems like, you know, for for both guys, um, I wonder if any of uh, any of the ring rust for for Usman could be a problem. But also, you know, Covington hasn't been active at, at, at much either. But it's just it's just weird to me that you know that they both have been so inactive of late. And and you mentioned the the um, the. Uh, the records, like, <laughs> the records are so hilarious. Like, uh, I think it's, uh, I think Colby, uh, no, Usman, his last four fights, decision wins, and uh, Covington, last five fights, decision wins. So, just really, really close fight. I mean, I wonder if jiu-jitsu comes into play at all. Um, you know, like like you said, you know, Usman's hands are probably a little heavier. But yeah, I mean, a really kind of a stalemate. It's really a, a close one. And uh, I would probably lean to what you said as far as who has the advantage. But, you know, I, I don't think I'm surprised either way what happens here. No, not at, not at all. And it's like you also look at time spent in, you know, fighting. It's Usman up, what, seven minutes overall on Colby Covington and as well I was looking at the numbers it's like the most takedowns in welterweight history it's just George St. Pierre Johnny Hendricks Colby Covington and then Kamaru Usman so I mean it's like even that much more adds to how close these guys are together but you just feel like it the wrestling cancels each other out here it's so good the style makes the fights and somehow some way I just see Kamaru surprising us with you know a good set of boxing and you know, you talk about, you know, cage rust and, you know, I had to look up that I totally forgot. Kamaro won the welterweight title in March. It felt like 2000, end of 2018, not mm -hmm. the beginning of 2019. Like I totally blanked at how long ago it had been since Kamaro Usman has fought inside the octagon, whereas Colby had that big fight on uh, ESPN with the Trumps in the crowd in New Jersey <laughs> and uh, got a big, you know, push for him like the numbers weren't as great but we have to remember that that was a random afternoon card in the summer so that I think was a big factor of why the numbers weren't as great but uh, I think both of these guys have built the fight up very well and I'm just interested to see what happens I think this is one where you just really got to let it play out. I think all the talking is going to come to a head, uh, but we'll see where, what happens. I mean, this is the biggest fight really the welterweights divisions had since the, those old GSP days. So looking at the Holloway-Volkanovsky fight, 
I mean, Volkanovski's kind of been brought up kind of old school like boxing where you know he's he's uh when he got to the ufc he had some early fights against guys that he should have beaten and then he moved in on sort of the older veteran gatekeepers by beating uh mendez and then uh josie aldo and so you know now he he he's sort of set and, and he's ready to face max and, you know, I looked at Max's age. It feels like Max has been in my life for a very long time. And he is only 28 years old. But he has had so many big fights, you know, going back to uh, 2016. Been through some wars. Uh, we saw him attempt to win the uh, lightweight championship. And, and just, you know, he, he just got beat up by a bigger guy in, in Dustin Poirier. You know, then he beats Frankie Edgar uh, later in the year. I just wonder if, you know, Max is is almost a, a he's probably from from just the wars. He's probably a little bit older than his 28. And I, I, I just kind of wonder if uh, if Volkanovski is kind of facing him at, at the right time here. And what's funny is, is that, you know, Volkanovski is actually older than Max. He's just he's just finally made it to that main event scene. Yeah, so this one for me is interesting because, I mean, like picking-wise, I can't not pick against Max because every time you pick against him, I feel like that's a mistake. And he's fought such high-level competition and made them look silly. But granted, I think Volkanovski's the the perfect matchup for him. Moves well, going to be tough to take down, and has those heavy hands because really his breakthrough fight was almost about one year ago, the Chad Mendes fight where he was really pouring he poured it on in that second round got the finish on chad mendes who had just come back from that usada suspension was looking to really take his career to to another level and stopped him was able to win a decision against aldo now holloway's beaten aldo twice in his very young mixed martial arts career but i mean volkanovsky is just an insane story this is a dude that was like almost 200 pounds playing rugby out mm. in Australia and is now fighting at 145 pounds in the UFC's featherweight division and is now out here challenging for the title and I just think he, he can mix it up as well he seems very confident um, but I just can't pick against Max right now Max always finds a way to take his positives and work them against your negatives controlled uh, pretty much you know a Frankie Edgar that was so confident that he was going to get that belt back at UFC 240 in Edmonton um, and only really lost that fight to Poirier because he kind of got gassed out in not his weight class but he you know he did so much damage puts out so much strikes leads the UFC in, at featherweight in strike output uh, so I mean I just can't pick out against uh Max Holloway. I just think he'll find a way to keep putting the pressure on, and it's a pressure I don't think Volkanovski's ever seen. Yeah, I'm undecided. I, Max is my favorite fighter in the UFC today, and you're right. Picking against him is, you know, it's not necessarily smart. Though I just wonder. I just wonder how some of this, some of these fights, you know, that have have taken a lot out of him, but. Um, I, I, I will, you know, we do our picks uh, for uh, uh, the Fight Game Media uh, Twitter handle, and I'll send all those picks out uh, probably Saturday, early Saturday, so you'll be able to see all of our picks for the top five fights. Yeah, but I'm still undecided. Um, is there anything else on this card, sort of up and down the card, that you're really looking forward to? I think the last prelim of Platinum Mike Perry and Jeff Neal 
is something we're not talking about enough. And granted, this is uh, a card with some real good names on it. I mean, you see Marlon Marais returning as well, Faber returning. Um, But I think Mike Perry and Jeff Neal is a big bout at welterweight as well. I mean, Mike Perry's coming back from the the Ponzinibbia fight in Argentina where literally his nose was turned into like a a crooked J. I mean, this (laughs) face was obliterated. You couldn't even, I can't even believe the turnaround's been this quick because that was at the end of the summer and now he here is at the end of the year coming back. And Jeff Neal's a guy that's really building himself up. I mean, this was a guy that was fighting in the UFC but still working as a waiter and finally has been able to quit that job and he's just been on quite the finished tear. I mean, his last fight, the sensational ground and pound against Nico Price. I mean, he went the full uh, distance with Bilal Muhammad, but Muhammad's such a tough guy. Head kick over Frank Camacho, rear naked choke Brian Camozzi. I mean, this is a guy I think that's really looking to break through and become up inside the a title contender uh, here in Jeff Neal. And I think his story is such amazing proof that if you just keep working at it, good things will happen. And how can you not like a guy whose nickname's Hands of Steel? So I think this is a fight where I don't see it going the distance. Someone's going down. And if I had to make a pick, I think Mike Perry and his wars will have finally caught up with him. And I think Jeff Neal's primed to make a big run at uh, welterweight in the UFC. All right. So we will take a quick break and then we will be back to talk about some heavyweight boxing. All right, we're going to take a quick break from the podcast to talk about Roman. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to getroman.com front slash blue wire and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to getroman, G-E-T-R-O-M-A-N dot com front slash blue wire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping that's getroman.com front slash blue wire for a free visit to get started getroman.com front slash blue wire back here with jason we're going to talk about anthony joshua and andy ruiz fight which happened uh, last weekend but you know i mean everyone knows kind of what happened there but i just quickly wanted to get uh, just your thoughts on the fight, but also sort of the aftermath of that fight, which is um, Anthony Joshua gets his belts back. Andy Ruiz is a little bit of a, of a, of a, a he's a punchline right now because of how much he weighed. But everybody is looking forward towards a possible Joshua and Deontay Wilder fight. Um, but based on what you saw with uh, Joshua and Ruiz and, and you know, just thoughts on, on, a, on a match with, uh, with Wilder down the line. 
Well, if that Anthony Joshua fights Deontay Wilder, he's going to get his head knocked into the fifth row. Like, it was a good tactical style against a ballooned-up Andy Ruiz who weighed the biggest he'd ever been was, what, 283, 284? Just you knew that with how unprepared he was uh, weight-wise and that Joshua was the lightest he'd ever been, was going to find ways to use angles, pick his spots, uh, and just let the heat as well absorb up on Ruiz. And I thought Joshua fought the smart fight. Um, When they started to trade in the pocket and make it a bit of a war, like Joshua did get lucky because I thought towards the later rounds, Ruiz was starting to pick up steam. It's just he ran out of rounds to really come back. But I think with Wilder fighting uh, Joshua down the line. It's the fight I think we all want to see. I want to see it. I know you want to see it. But I just think, uh, you know, Wilder's style is just to, you know, if you want to pile up points, great. He's just going to pick his spot and wait to connect with you. And we've seen uh, Joshua go down in the first Ruiz fight. And I just would expect that to happen uh, maybe towards the middle portions of that fight. The... Dynamic of Anthony Joshua is so interesting to me. I'm going to pull up some numbers here. So these are all from uh, Mike Coppinger from The Athletic. He published an article about Joshua earlier in the week. 1.6 million pay-per-views in the UK for this fight. So the UK uh, has the the Sky um, Sky TV, and I think that's where, you, if you wanted to watch this fight, you had to buy the pay-per-view through Sky. They don't have DAZN. Which out here in the U.S., you know, I was able to just pay my 20, you know, whatever, whatever I pay the yearly, but whatever it was, 10 or 20 bucks to get the fight. Um, so 1.6 million pay-per-views just in the U.K., which is a record. And then approximately 1.8 million watched on zone across nine global markets with the majority of those viewers based in the US according to Mike Coppinger and he also said that the streaming service got about 200,000 new subscribers with the majority of those signups coming from the states um and you know we, we we can look at that from a like a WWE network perspective like mm-hmm. when it comes to WrestleMania how many how many people buy you know the network um, I don't even I don't even really know what that is that number is because you know we, we look at the the quarterly numbers but you know essentially WWE network is flat and probably slightly down but to do two hundred thousand new subscribers sounds like a good number we'll see you know how much churn there is as far as them signing up the next month but a 1.8 million watched on the zone across nine global markets um you know that that's a pretty big number and then the 1.6 million pay-per-views in the uk i mean we don't really know what that means from because streaming is so new for this kind of stuff but i'm just so marveled at that that pay-per-view number like he is he's a major star uh i don't think he's actually hit the stardom in the u.s yet had he beat andy ruiz and then setting up for something bigger uh, after that maybe he does but still he's he's one of their cash cows he's not you know he's not canelo i think canelo is still probably the biggest zone star but you know man you know from a guy who uh does not fight out of the united States, uh, Anthony Joshua is a pretty big deal. He's definitely a big deal, and you know this gamble that 
DAZN had of, you know, let's go out and get the boxing thing going. Uh, it's really been paying off because you have all these new subscribers grow in for uh, DAZN with, you know, two new 200,000 new subscribers. Plus, you know, a couple weeks before that, you had the, the KSI fight, which brought in a whole mass new audience for DAZN as well. I mean, the key, obviously, is to keep that. But yeah, Joshua, I think, is, you know, doing quite all right right now. I mean, I mean, he's the, the, what, easily two or one one C, really, with a Gennady Golovkin as well mixed in there. But I think Joshua's doing quite well, and, like, that fight was promoted so well. I mean, DAZN's had a smart marketing as well with, uh, from the beginning of September with NFL football, they're airing on their other games saying, it's fight season. They have a fight every weekend on there. You just pay your whatever. I pay the yearly like you do. And, you know, you just come in and you, and you watch because I bought the, the Wilder fight and I felt, you know, kind of guilty spending the 75 bucks or whatever I spent on it when I knew the fight was kind of going to go that way. With this, it's like you're spending for a certain amount of dollars for a year where you can cancel at any time. And there's other options as well on DAZN to watch. I don't know if you take that. And the streaming service works differently in Canada versus the United States with rights fees. Uh, but yeah, I think this gamble's worked off. And I thought the documentary that the athletic slash put out on DAZN really put an interesting look into the mindset of DAZN uh, going into this fight. Yeah, you're talking about the documentary uh, with Eddie and Barry yeah. Hearn. Yeah, I thought that was fantastic. Like, you see the mindset of the herds, how they're able to promote things. Like, they made darts a super success over in the mm -hmm. UK treated darts like pro wrestling and it's one of the biggest things in the world and now they've taken the boxing scene by storm and I just thought it was an interesting look because you know when DAZN got into this everyone was kind of laughing at them and it was you know kind of a dark time for boxing because HBO just got out of the business and Showtime's there but they're not really and now there's a whole bunch of new faces for boxing and DAZN's clearly putting themselves out as the front the front forward face for the new era of boxing in terms of uh, broadcasters I think part of the, uh, you know, people who are like, oh, Joshua and Wilder, I, I still think, you know, that 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 they're going to have a lot of trouble making that fight. I, oh, I yeah. still don't I still don't know how you how you deal with DAZN, the streaming service versus PBC, which is pay-per-view and, you know, and Fox television and pay-per-view. You know, there's just two different business models trying to work together to promote a fight. And I, I just don't know how they're going to do that. But. We do have a big fight coming up in, uh, in February between Wilder and Fury. We saw the Joshua fight. You know, he won, so he did his job. He's probably, you know, he's got a, um, a mandatory coming up, which will probably happen. So, he, you know, he's not going to fight uh, a big, big fight anytime soon. But uh, what are you thinking about Wilder and Fury? And, how you know, I think Bob Arum is saying that he thinks they're going to do over a million buys, which I think is a good goal. I don't. I don't. I, you know, I'll, I'll wait and see when it comes to the promotion because it, it's it's ESPN and and Fox trying to work together uh, and, and uh, PBC. But what are your thoughts on that? And uh, and how do you see that going? Well, I mean, the first fight was so fantastic about one year ago, where we thought 
Wilder was down, uh, Fury was down, and then he rose up like the Undertaker, and we had that draw, which I think really steam uh, put a bit of a derail on what the goal was for heavyweight boxing heading into 2019, and then throw Andy Ruiz in there, and it's kind of been all over the place, but we're finding those inroads back to what we were originally seeing at the end of 2018, but I think the fight will be a real good fight. I think it's the fight everyone wants to see for Wilder. Finally, it happened. They both got through their, their mandatory fights to now have this happen and i don't know like i think wilder poses or wilder uh, fury poses a lot of problems for wilder as we saw in the in the first fight where he was able to pile up the points use his reach to his advantage and you know if he can just find a way you know easier said than none to avoid the big bomb he could take it up on on the scorecard but you know the promotion will be fantastic for it i mean Fury was uh, is a monster when it comes to that. I mean, I'd rather see Fury do this than you know fool around with Braun Strowman in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> what about the what about the rumor that it's going to be a Fury and Brock Lesnar at WrestleMania? Yeah, I really don't see that. I don't need to see that either. I, no, we don't need to see that. It's like these boxers getting into WWE is like the MMA fighters calling out Floyd Mayweather. Like, mm-hmm. I don't need to see that anymore. We saw it once. Uh, but, I mean, if Floyd's going to do whatever with Zufa, I hope it's a boxing fight. But, yeah, I just don't buy into that rumor. I mean, I feel like if Fury wins... Then you have a chance to have the Joshua fight, which would be a monstrous thing for the UK. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so uh, we'll, we uh, uh, I think that that's good for for now. But you know, I'd love to have you back on to talk uh, MMA and boxing down the line. But I still have you for one more segment. We're gonna go to break. Gonna bring John back on uh, and and talk about some uh, AEW and NXT in a second. All right, John's back here. Uh, well, I'm bring, going to bring back Jason to end the show. But, uh, John, it is time to talk about AEW and NXT. Now, I, I, we usually start with AEW. I kind of want to start with NXT first because I enjoyed the show. I, and, you know, I'm only watching the one-hour version. And from what I understand, the one-hour version was the way to go because then I didn't have to see... Um, the Singh brothers and and uh, the Rizango. guys, yeah, Rizango. Not that I don't like those guys, but it's just like you you don't promote these guys and then you throw them on NXT and expect me to care. It was, but, a, it, was um, a, it was a good little match, but uh, looks like Fandango got hurt in that match too. So okay, so so the, it, I'm glad that you said that because the thing that immediately I, I was just jarred at was after the Mia Yim and Dakota Kai match. Me, they they go, you know, I don't, they're like around like the electrical equipment, mm-hmm. and I think they're like on top of like, um, it's like the sound stage, like sound right. guys, right? The music, they, uh, the sound, sound, sound guys, yeah. Definitely. And Mia Yim does this back suplex mm-hmm. onto Dakota Kai, and there's a little bit of a distance that she has to clear to go through this table, and so they they put two tables pretty close together. I'm guessing just in case she overshot it so they would there would be some cushion there but instead she like barely overshot it by a hair and so she went through they they went through the the first table but Dakota Kai nicked her head on the mm-hmm. edge of the second table 
And I was like, that's like the most dangerous thing I've seen on TV in like a long time. Like she literally could have got like a, a crazy concussion. And maybe she does have one. I know she got stitches. But man, I was just like, what the hell are they Did doing? Did she get staples? I thought. Is was it staples? Got, yeah. I, I, I heard, I heard like, oh, okay. I, I didn't, I didn't know it was staples. I heard stitches. So wow, that's even worse than I thought. Yeah. I thought it was staples. Um, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was a crazy bump. Um, Mia, she went straight down instead of like out and up and out, which I think would have been a safer landing. They would have hit both tables. You know, they, they put the, obviously they put the two tables there because they want, you know, they definitely, you know, it's, the margin for error with just one table is very scary. And imagine yeah. if there was only one table, man, I think, uh, you know, Dakota Kai wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't be wrestling anymore if, if not worse. Um, very very scary. Um, she went down like like a, like a sciota suplex basically, and she, like I said, like you know, have you seen the back suplex? So it's not a sciota suplex. Or every, every time nowadays you see everyone do the sciota suplex, which is like a snap and almost a head dropper, sometimes a head dropper. But um, but you know, the, just a simple, you know, get out your old Chris Wall back suplex tapes. I mean, he just will bring the guy up high and then straight down, and the guy just flat lands perfectly on his back boom nice bump um that's where it should have been with this with this move but um honestly they should have done that move they should have done something a little more simpler and you know god for dakota kai because you know imagine her perspective she doesn't know she's not looking at anything she just has to tuck her chin and hope to god that everything goes well um i thought that was a very risky move to do and i'm surprised they did it especially how wwe is very very safe with a lot of stuff. This one was uh, was pretty really dangerous, and I don't know if I got the full effect of it other than being nuts. I don't know, like for the program, I don't know. I don't know. I, I thought the match, actually, that match itself was overall pretty disappointing to me. I thought, uh, especially after that brawl they had the the week before with the me and Lynn looked so good with the, the fighting and the best she's ever I've ever seen her. And I thought they should have started off with that, like. I, th- I don't think this should have been a match. I think it should have just been straight up fighting before the bell, all over the building. Referee, security's trying to stop them. It's going into the stands, and it goes back in the ring. It goes back on the other stands. And then it ends up in that spot again, and that's where you kind of end it. I, I I don't think there was no need. There was no need for the match itself. I think you could just done a wild brawl in that situation. But that's why I take away from that. Yeah, I just think... It's it's uh, Dakota Kai's character is working fairly well for me, but just when she wrestles, I kind of lose interest a little bit. But um, yeah, I just thought the guys, you know, so so risky, and they're you know they're they're trying, like right, they're really really trying to get this thing over, mm-hmm. and the the effort is there. So this is not a, a lack of effort thing. But when that happened, you saw Mia Yim kind of look over. I don't know who she was looking at, but she was talking to somebody, and, and I think well, she. <laughs> She thought it was uh, they were going off the air, the commercial, mm-hmm. and, they, and I think whoever it was, the ref, most like the referee, told nope, still live, and mm-hmm. she kind of get a nod. And it got caught on camera, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it was, uh, that was that was that was scary, man. Okay, so the uh, there's a couple good matches on this show, and the opener uh, was uh, Angel Garza and Leo Rush. And I really like this match. Uh, it's so funny how like Angel Garza is like such a baby face now. Um, he's great. And he, yeah, he's he's so good. The finish, which I I um, I made mention of in in our f- uh, Facebook group, I thought the finish is should have been, 
you know, they do the thing on the outside and then he, he quickly throws Rush back into the ring, hits his finisher, boom, one, two, three. I thought that would have been a, like a tremendous pop. And then as he goes for the pin, I see Leo Rush's eyes wander <laughs> a little bit. Wanders towards the referee, seeing the two count. Uh, and, and I was like, oh, God, he's kicking out of this thing. I can't believe it. And I just remember, I always remember Steve Austin talking about this. He's like, you got to feel the two count. You should be able to feel it and understand when to kick out. You don't have to look at the referee. Now, I'm, I've never wrestled before, so that might be harder than, than he is even explaining it. And it may be like a difficult thing in the heat of the moment. But once Leo Rush looked at the referee, I was like, ah, they, they, they messed up a, a perfect ending to this match. Then they went to the, the, uh, the submission hold and, and tapped him out, and, and he won. Now, he still got a, a nice pop. It was still a great moment. I just thought that they missed something by doing that extra, you know, going a little overboard with that finish. Oh, no, I agree. I, I said the same thing. Um, that's the first thing that stood out to me in that match. The match is great. Um, definitely uh, today's wrestling where it can be a lot of big moves, but the psychology still was there. Like, they did some really good stuff. And then, yeah, when he hit the wing clipper, his finisher, I thought for sure they just, I mean, the place was about to, they they're about to explode big time if he would have won that title right then and there. Like, it would have been a, just a massive pop. And he kicked out, which, <laughs> which because I think earlier, you know, it's one of those things where they they, they it just made one two one move too many. And earlier, of course, Leo Rush kicked out of the you know he did the wing clipper. No, is that what he, yeah no yeah someone he, Leo Rush did the wing clipper on Garza and Garza kicked out right. So they went back to it here, but this is Garza's finisher, and I think it's okay to let's, let's let a guy win on his finishing move, you know, and and they went for the submission and just that they want that big that big false finish, and and I just don't I think they had a bunch of them already, you know, like, but this was the me, the major one they wanted, I guess, and I think that was just a bad call, you know, and, you know, hindsight, you know. I, if I was them, I, I think they would want to go back and just make the wing clipper could be could have been that the finish because it got a it would have got a, a major reaction and the finish got a big reaction. That crowd loves in Hell Garza, you know, because he's great. I mean, it's so funny because when I saw him in Lucha, I wasn't like too into him or didn't think too much. I saw him in Noah, he did like a little little tour or match in Noah, and I was like, ah. Eh. You know, I liked his brother better, who's actually some better Corrillo, who's at the. <laughs> I think it was a uh, Ultimo uh, Ninja at the time. I thought he stood out more, and they didn't really see much in in uh, you know Garza. But then here, it's like you know whatever, you know, like I said, WWE does a great job fine tuning all these guys and putting things together, and making them kind of complete their package a lot, especially you know these young guys. And I think they're doing a really really good job with 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 Garza and. Uh, that's cool, man. I think it's cool that he's a champ. I think this belt has finally meant something in, in a long time. Well, I think Leo Rush did a great job with it. And I like that they're actually using 205 and then and they're, and they're putting it with NXT, right? They called it the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. So um, I think it's a good thing, and it just adds a little more flavor to the show. So I want to skip all the way to the main event because I, ha- I, I really love that match too, and I, I had a problem with the finish again. Um, but really? The, the thing I, yeah, the thing I want to say is... They, I thought they did a really good job hyping up the Shayna and uh, and Rhea match next week. It really feels important, and I know they're doing some supportive stuff on the WWE Network for this match. 
And I, it's not the men's title match, so I'm guessing that it's not going to be the main event. But, man, if there was ever a match, a, a women's match that could have main evented an NXT TakeOver, I thought this would, this could be the one because I'm so intrigued. Now, it's not going to be more than likely not going to be better than Finn Balor and, and Adam Cole but as a wrestling match. But as like a, a hype, something that I'm excited to watch, like it's up there. And, and I, I think they've done a great job with this. Yeah, no, the the video with Shayna in the car talking about it and talking about her family and and then also the the Rhea stuff was was pretty good. Shayna was stuff was a little better, you know. I wish I I love this. This is the stuff that I love. This is that twenty four seven, you know, uh, whatever that UFC show was like. That I think that's the kind of stuff that I would like to see more included in their shows. And and next week, December eighteenth, feels like a big night of wrestling. I mean, uh, but. But for me, like I think NXT has me more excited than AEW. What they're going to present, like I'm, those, those two championship matches between uh, Shayna Baylor, Rhea Ripley, and then Finn Balor and Adam Cole. Like I'm pretty pumped for those matches, and uh, yeah, I love the build for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm mo- most excited for Shayna and Rhea. Uh, I would say right after that is Jericho and Jungle Boy, though, just because I want to. I'm mm-hmm. so interested in the creative because if this is designed to get Jungle Boy over to a different level then i'm I'm super interested and jericho's so smart so i, I imagine he's that's his, his goal too so and then you know and then you know adam cole and finn Balor's gonna be a great match now here here's here's what we can talk about as, as far as what i said i was disappointed in so keith lee was pushed uh like a monster uh recently looks great fans love him he's finally like at the level with, with NXT where um, at least I thought he, he would be when he came over. I know he had a little, he had a couple start and stops. My problem isn't that Finn Balor won. That's not my problem at all. My problem is with Keith Lee losing that match. I know some people say, oh, you know, it doesn't really matter. He can lose and he can still be fine and come back. Agreed. But I also feel like Ciampa could lose. I also feel like you could do something, you know, Adam Cole's kind of scared of Keith Lee and he he gets his, you know, he gets the undisputed era to make sure Keith Lee's not the one that wins, like something like that to where you don't have to stop his momentum to then restart it again and make you know, things. I, I imagine he's gonna go on another another spree. But I was just like, oh, this was the time to either have him win this match, or if he's not gonna win this match. Just make sure he doesn't lose it, and he still looks great. Like maybe Finn Balor actually steals a pin, and and Keith Lee loses that way, but he doesn't get pinned. So that was my problem with it. I just thought like, oh, you have this guy who's really connecting, and this is a lot of problems that I have with WWE is someone connects, and then they're like, okay, well, let's see if he can still get over by losing. And I was like, oh, why? Why do we even need to see that? Why do we even need to test that? I don't think there's trying to beat him to see if he gets over by losing i think well, first of all i think the fin- i thought the finish was great because i thought it protected- really creative well yeah i thought it really protected lee because he hit the big power bomb he's going for the finish and i like right with it wasn't like he hit the power bomb he's sitting there one two and then here comes finn balor like it all came together in one like that was a perfectly timed spot and he got like that's a that's like a perfect he got caught finish and he got caught with you know finn balor's finisher too it wasn't just he got kicked him in the side of the head and rolled him up sure, sure but like I don't, I don't want my hot baby face to get outsmarted. Like I want him to, you know, to, to see that smart coming. 
Well, yeah, he, he did. It's a it's a three way. Like he's got it. He you know he thinks he's he's gonna win, and the, and the heel is the better wrestler than him. And and did you and see his, the replay? The the replay they showed it like like the angle from where Finn Balor's out on the top rope and and like he's like coming down and like as like Lee hits the power bomb like it's boom it was all it's all bam bam it was very well timed um i think the idea is that you know they don't want to lead a challenge for the title and lose you know right now i think it's they want to build them build to keep building a quest a, a chase i think they see him for next year sometime maybe the summertime maybe later um because i think we might have guys going up or, or, you know, maybe Finn Balor's not going to be there as long as, you know, we think. And, and uh, you know, they got to – I think he, I think Lee's going to win the title, I think, sometime next year. You know, but I think he's going to have to chase for it a bit, which which I'm okay with. I like chases, so. Okay, and, and that's fine. That's fine. I still think you could have gotten – you could have had the same thing happen and Chiampa takes the pin because he's probably going to – He's probably going to be in the main event, I would assume, uh, the next takeover, uh, because he's chasing Goldie. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, the 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 one way that I think I'll be okay, and 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 you, know, we, we still got to wait and see what they do, is if Lee, in order to get his title shot, he's got to beat Finn Balor, and he does, and they replay this thing over and over yep. and over. Like I'll, I'll be fine with if they do that, but if history. Um, you know, if I look back at history and go, okay, how many times have they set things up that they don't follow through? Like, be, be, you know, booking wrestling is not super easy when you're when you have so much TV. But I feel like this is something that they're going to just for pretend that we don't remember and and move on. And I don't like it when they do that. They had really something organic with Keith Lee here, and I just didn't like seeing that possibly halted we'll see it's i'm not saying it's going to be halted i'm not saying he's done and they're moving on i'm just saying i would have liked to see him not take that pin because i just feel like he's organic right now and he's one of the guys who i'm like oh we have a possible star for 2020 let's let's push him like he could be that star so we'll we'll wait and see and i will definitely Mm -hmm. take back what i what i said if they do do those things but i'm just like oh like it was one of those things where i was like Keith Lee is on fire. And, and I mean, you can even look. We, I did a poll, not only on the fight game, um, uh, on the Facebook group, but I did a poll on Twitter as well. And over 70% of the people thought Keith Lee was actually going to win the match. So Yeah, me too. I thought there so is, too. There is definitely like some interest in him, you know, becoming, you know, a, a guy for them. I think definitely the North American title would be perfect for him right now you know like something to go to to win and then take a next step with the title the nxt heavyweight title some somewhere down the line maybe summer or, or fall but uh you know i think i think they want to do the old you know the old classic chase and and i'm okay with that because chase chase usually means money so I'm, I'm looking forward i'm looking forward to that um i think definitely he's gonna beat finn balor down the line i think this is definitely setting that up so i you know what's what's, what's, what's good thing that when people complain about what WWE does, I think, a, well, the good thing is about NXT is, like, they kind of do things, they kind of just keep, like, an old-school booking flow, you know what I mean? So, the uh, style, and they don't overdo too much, and they follow through with a lot of stuff, so that's why it's my favorite promotion to watch. I mean, it's all under WWE banner, but, like, if I'm keeping it separate, you know, I, I mean, it's 
the best wrestling I think that's on TV right now, and 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 I liked it because it's so simple and easy to follow, and they and they uh, they finish things up that they started. So I'm 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 confident that Lee is still going to be a champion in the near future, and he'll be protected as long as he doesn't do something stupid. So you know behind the scenes, but uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I'm I'm loving that guy right now too. Yeah, he's a lot of fun to watch and really really coming to his own in this last this last year, and I think 2020 is going to be a big year for him. NXT is actually out this way this weekend. I know, I know. I, I I could go. I could go. I could always a one phone call away. And <laughs> but right now with the baby and stuff, I mean, I'm trying. I doubt it's gonna happen. So and it sucks because there's a lot of good talent on that card. Well, well, here's what also sucks is TLC is mm-hmm. on the same day. At the same time, like these yeah. sh- these shows are running against each other, which I was frustrated with because. I wanted to watch TLC, not not just because I think the show's going to be good, but I just like watching WWE pay-per-views. But then uh, Big Dave was like, oh, you know, I think we got front row at NXT. And I was like, oh, cool. We could, can kind of watch both. And, and they're like, oh, they're running head-to-head. So I think we're still going to watch NXT, which means I'm going to have to watch TLC sometime during the week. But Yeah. Uh, I but know. What yeah. time does it start? 7 o'clock start time? No, 5. Really? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> really this is the nxt show starts at five wow yeah wwe show starts at four i think and the nxt show starts at five i wonder if i can swing this we'll see we'll see how good daddy's been doing on as mama and baby have been in the hospital um recovering and, and getting stronger um daddy's been holding the fort down over here so I'm also going to Star Wars next week, so I should just take that and be happy, right? I know, I know. Uh, this show is also um, got got some tickets left, so I don't, you know, I don't think that they. No, I have a ticket. It's just, you know, I want to see EO. I want to see, you know, I want to see. No, my- no, no. I, I'm just saying, you know, the last time that we went. I don't think it was sold out, but it was still pretty full. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be a fun show. I've, I've never been to an NXT card that I, had, I was never. No, they're it's, always good. Yeah, they're always so, really good. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'll work for Magic. So let you know. All right. So, um, is there anything else you want to talk about this NXT show that I may have missed that uh, you thought was worth checking out? No, I mean other than just uh, you know, like I, you know, this this really this show. I was disappointed in the middle but the book the, the beginning and the end were great um i you know they had travis banks there from the U, nxt uk who's, who's who's really good but like he beat uh uh jackson was it jackson Riker from the forgotten sons the big monster and you know banks is a little guy it just it, 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 i don't know i just don't think he's the guy you need to beat you know like you shouldn't beat him at jackson Riker. you know and banks is there for a little while and doing some stuff so it just i don't know i just he's not the guy i would have him beat and you know the, the Kushida um uh camera grind stuff uh he they didn't work each other but camera grinds with raul, Man, Ma, raul mendoza who he took out the week before they had a match here and the finish got a little flubbed up the timing issue of like Kushida distracting camera grind just didn't didn't come off uh well um i did like bianca blair and what's her name craven craven carter or something like that caden carver yeah thank you um um you know it's like what what aew fails at like you know they give these feature match nxt does really well with gives these girls you know without a break a feature match just a you know nice quick little match to get someone over and bianca Bear, she's awesome man i love that girl 
Um, she's just, she's just so much fun to watch. She's just such an athlete. Um, the forgot and the forgotten sons, the uh, Brazango and uh, the Singh brothers was was a good match, but you know Brazango, um, sorry Fangango hurt his elbow and he was really clutching it and I, you know it looked like an elbow. I thought at first it might have been like a, a a shoulder injury or something like that, but it was an elbow. And but but I was more concerned about one of the Singh brothers because <laughs> Fandango picks him up for an apron power bomb and just power bombs him and like his head just clips the apron like. It was nasty, man. Those, I guess those he, poor guys, dude, like, they get thrown around so much, dude. I guess he's okay, but holy sh- poop, man! It was like, it was, it was just. I was scared. I was like, I had to rewind it. Like, did I just see that? Like, he just murdered him, I think. And then that, uh, but it wasn't a overall like great NXT show that they'd been having from yeah they're I mean they're building up for next week which is, which is yeah yeah so I was just a little disappointed in some of the stuff but other than that man I mean how can I really disappoint a show that had featured two really really damn good matches I, I wonder what they're gonna do for the Christmas and the New Year's show maybe tomorrow I mean it's Sunday you'll see well, that's maybe. what I'm saying I wonder if they're gonna tape anything this weekend maybe and um, also I think uh, maybe stuff they tape uh, earlier in the show, the, the Roderick Strong versus Austin Theory might be on there. Maybe yeah, that would, yeah. that'd be a good match to watch. I like to see that match. All right, let's move on to the AEW show, which I thought was again pretty uneven. Though I think I like this show better than the the last couple shows that that we watched because I you know I, for three weeks for about the first five weeks of this head to head, I, I really like the AEW shows better than NXT, but these last three NXT shows, I have liked better than AEW shows. Um, you know, we had the, the main event, the crazy main event, Texas street fight with the young bucks and, uh, Santana and Ortiz. And my initial problem with this match is, and we, we talked about it a little bit, which is you have the heels begging for the, for this match against the baby faces who they've already beaten. And it's just like, why, you know, why do the heels need to have a Texas mm-hmm. street fight to, you know, shouldn't that be, you know, something that, you know, the Bucks are like, hey, you know, you guys beat us. We need, you know, we, we want revenge and let's make it a, a street fight or whatever. I, I just feel like it's a little bit backwards. But and I know that you're going to have some problems with this match because I could already foresee what those problems were. But I still thought, you know, when you're talking about star power for AEW. And really pushing your top guys, you know, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, um, outside of Chris Jericho, obviously. Uh, finally, I felt like the Bucks were like, okay, like we're like we should be the top tag team, and we're going to show it. Like I really felt that finally, that like they felt like that. You know, it only took them ten weeks to get there for them to finally feel like they are the top tag team, and and that they should be you know marketed as such. Yeah, no, actually, I didn't have too much of an issue with this match i mean that's not my cup of tea obviously but um i'm glad the bucks won like like you said i thought it was uh you know it was it was crazy it was you know i you know it's the stip i expected tables and craziness so the only thing i just thought it was a little too long especially towards that the last like two minutes really started like i mean when you have santana damn near running and doing a flip on his own <laughs> to, 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 to hit a table i think okay we're already we're already too long here let's let's wrap this shit up but uh no I'm, and i'm glad the bucks won i think they also think they wanted a big match too for next week because you know they got some you know pretty big competition next week i think uh with nxt really 
building to their December 18th show really well. I think they, you know, even though they have a a, a, a match I'm looking forward to with, uh, you know, Jungle Jack Perry um, against Chris Jericho, I think they also needed some some little extra too on that a big mm-hmm. match. And they, you know, Young Bucks and SCU is is a a pretty big match for them. So um, yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> so to your surprise, I actually I didn't uh, I wasn't hating on this match. It was you know, as I expected, and they delivered. I, I kind of liked how it started, like out of the gate it wasn't just typical entrances and like they they got jumped in the beginning the bucks got jumped in the beginning by you know uh santana ortiz plus santa guevara i thought that stuff was really cool so i i I was you know i wasn't hating and uh and uh it was a lot of fun so you know the one the part that i thought you were gonna get mad at was um i think it was nick does like a senton off like it was like right at the beginning through a table stage um, yeah he does he, like he does this dive the senton through the table and like then uh, it just gets kicked out of like i was like oh john's gonna be so mad at that it was because... a false count anywhere right no no i know but like who kicks out of like a senton I know, I know, through it like it should have at least been like the partner like breaks it up right that one so. that looked brutal too it looked like it didn't look <laughs> it looked like nick gay landed all on him so that was uh ortiz's He's a tough dude, you know, and then, uh, yeah, no, it was, yeah, I know, but it, it you know, I, it is early, so, you know, they're, they're not as weakened yet. If it was like, you know, at the end, <laughs> maybe I might have an issue with so, it. So, you know, what's very interesting is the overall viewership of both shows was exactly the same. They tied this, this week. Crazy. 778,000, 778,000 for each show. AEW wins the coveted uh, eighteen to forty nine by just point four. Uh, it's a little bit of an increase from last from last week because they only won by point three. Uh, mm-hmm. But man, you know this demo is shrinking, which shows you that a um, AEW is uh, kind of cooling off in, in, in a sense. But also b you know that Survivor Series crossover really helped NXT, and it did give them. Um, a little bit of a bump, though. If you if you want to look at sort of the the eighteen to forty nine for NXT two, they were down from uh, from last week more than than AEW was. So you know these numbers, they, I think we make a whole lot about them because you can sort of tell a few things from them. But um, just it's, I mean to me, they're just interesting more so than necessarily like I'm like living and dying by these numbers. But the the numbers are interesting to to, to look at. Um, okay, so. The I think the other thing that was uh, something worth talking about was this uh, Cody uh, Cody Rhodes match with uh, QT Marshall mm-hmm. against um, uh, the Butcher and the Blade. So finally, you know, we learn a little bit about these guys. MJF is the one who brought them in. Uh, that I don't feel like that was explained well. I, I was on uh, Wrestling Observer Radio with Big Dave, and I was like, if it's not on TV. It's not canon to me. I was just kind of being mm-hmm. a little dramatic because I don't really want to watch these videos to figure out stuff that I've already dedicated two hours every week to TV to watch. That was more so my point. But finally, we get the Butcher and the Blade, and they have their debut, and Cody and a guy who is tr- you know, sort of tricked into, into wrestling uh, with Cody, he's the guy that gets over the most in the match. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I still don't know what to make of the Butcher and the Blade quite yet. Uh, I, I don't know where they are in the pecking order either. 
they are working with Cody, and, and Cody's great. Like Cody, everything Cody does right now is so good. But uh, but yeah, I'm I'm not even sure how what I thought about this other than the fact that QT got over so so much with uh, with that live crowd. Well, yeah, like I, I you know it was a really good tag team match first of all, and I I kind of jokingly said in our group like. Cody pulled off the best tag team match in AEW by just doing the basic, you know, stuff that always works in great tag team matches, you know, heat on the baby face, hot tag to the uh, perfectly timed hot tag and the crowd going nuts and they didn't have to do any crazy stuff. You know, QT ended up pulling out some, uh, pulled out everything in his arsenal, arsenal, um, QT. I mean, the story is that, you know, Cody had no friends, which is awkward because, you know, all of a sudden, no one's no, one, no one's his friend anymore. His brother is is the Young Bucks, Page, Omega. Um, it just randomly, like all of a sudden, like, he's on an island to himself, and he's like, "All right, I'll fight these guys." Is these uh, Butcher and a Blade, and, and they can pick whoever partner or MJF can pick any. I think as they said, they could pick whoever you know, and he'll team with them. And the idea is like you know, MJF picked this supposed to be a guy that's supposed to be. You know, a George South, you know, a guy that's, you know, going to be, you know, not going to help Cody out much. And it kind of backfires a little bit. And, you know, he, he does a great job. And the problem was with that, you know, is that QT got over big time. <laughs> and mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you're just thinking about QT and his performance. And, you know, and, and he's a guy that's, a, he's, well, he's an agent there, right? Mm-hmm. He's a, he's an agent there. He's a trainer at that school in Georgia. Uh, he was a talented wrestler that you know, due to injuries, kind of like you know, stunted his career and and shortened it. But now he's a really good trainer and still can go. But I don't know if he can go. Maybe maybe if he can just you know hang around for once a week. You know, won't be too bad on his body. But I guess he had some really bad neck injury. So, um, but like, shouldn't the butcher and the blade be the one getting over here? You know, and the end of it, and at the end, you're just thinking about Q- QT Marshall and what a performance he had. So I think they kind of misfired on that overall. Even though it was a great tag team match, I think they misfired what their their goals they were trying to accomplish. And then you know, Darby Allen comes out, and now he's his friend and Cody's friend in this war. So I mean, it was good for good for Darby to be associated with Cody. I think that's going to be great. But just it's just this whole thing because like 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 you said like I don't follow BTE the mm-hmm. Elite episode I don't follow Dark I mean I may watch a match or two that's piques my interest but I'm not so I think that's one of their big mistakes they just think they just think these we know like we follow everything and then we don't I'm sorry you know the the casual audience is not following everything the casual audience don't doesn't know Adam Page quit the Elite I mean I think but. Excalibur may last week talked about it in passing, but people are like, well, what does that mean? What is the elite? Because they really don't even, other than they say that you know the Young Bucks are the elite, they don't really talk about them as a group, you know, mm-hmm. or anything. So, and their history for the casual view on the show. So, I thought I thought that uh, whole Adam Page Omega thing was but was pretty funky. What do you think about that? It is. I think Adam Page needs to dial up his personality a little bit more if this is if this is what they're doing. Like, because I don't, I mean, I think he's, I don't, has he actually quit the elite or is he just like feeling sorry for himself right now? I don't even know what the I don't story know. is. So I, I just remember reading because <laughs> probably the Observer um, 
that that he quit the elite on B BTE, but like show that clip. How about mm-hmm. that? You know, mm-hmm. if, if you do it on BT, it's fine. But like show the clip on your television show, on TNT, I mean, it, national it feel, television. It feels like we're getting the heel turn. Obviously, mm-hmm. uh, I think Omega as a TV performer is maybe not as as uh, uh, TV. I don't know. I, I, he just seems he seems like he's not comfortable maybe doing some of this stuff like actually doing these angles and and you know this kind of no you know this this very tried and true formula of uh, of a baby face turning heel mm-hmm. like omega doesn't really seem i don't know he was a little weird this week like he just didn't seem super comfortable in his role uh so maybe that maybe you know he's also talked about how he's like really busy with with the women's stuff so and that he barely even gets to go over his match at all and so maybe there's some of that, you know, he's, they're just busy. I, I use the, um, I, I use the metaphor of, uh, like these VPs like Cody, the Bucks, Omega, they're like Sandra Bullock in speed, like driving this <laughs> bus because they're doing some, so much more than they've ever done before. And they're kind of learning on the fly. Right. Mm-hmm. And then they're also the top performers. So I imagine like, you know, they're, they're just, you know, they're, they're probably, burning the midnight oil and they're so busy and tired and and but you know this is what they signed up for and they're gonna they'll, they'll eventually i i think they'll probably figure figure it out if they haven't already but i just sense that omega's like not super comfortable in this role but we'll see but i do think that page has to dial up the personality a little bit like he can't just be the same guy like he's gotta be a little bit more um demonstrative when he's doing some of this stuff and maybe that will come maybe this is the beginning of it but i also thought just thought the the psychology in this thing kind of sucked yeah i didn't i didn't like the idea that you know janella comes out and you know he's got tully and i'm just like like okay tully's a heel like what's going on here like why why as a fan am i as a fan i'm i'm empathy i'm showing sympathy for tully just because i like tully but like in the storyline, it's like okay, Janela's a babyface. Why is he kidnapping a guy, which is a heel thing to do? And then you know the Spears and Janela thing, I didn't think worked. But then what that happens is it creates a two on one for the babyfaces, mm-hmm. and so the babyfaces win this match two against one. And really, they should have handily beat this team if we're talking about sort of what the you know you know if we look at records and pushes and stuff like they should have handily beat these guys two on two no 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 matter what. And then they kind of get a little bit of a handicap and they win with that. And I just thought, I don't know. I was like, how, well, yeah. how am I supposed to feel? This was really wonky. Yeah, it didn't really come off. And then you see, first time I've seen Omega really, I mean, I'm sure he's been lost in a match before, but like this is the first time I've actually seen him lost in a match, literally. Like he took the Huracrana from Saban and he was supposed to end up, you know, bumping, uh, standing up, up, up his back towards the, the ropes, towards the entranceway. But he took the Huracrana and he screwed it all the way out. And he looked around and said, oh, shit. <laughs> Not supposed to, I wasn't supposed to do that. So he kind of like gets back in and just puts himself in position on the ropes. And Saban's just sitting on the other side like waiting for him because he doesn't know what to do. You know, he's not used to like, you know, improving and, and, and on the fly. He's like, oh, I'm here waiting for you so I can run across the ring so he can dump down and, you know, backdrop me over the top rope or whatever happened after that. So I thought that was pretty funny. But, yeah, the whole Joey Janela, Sean Spears thing. Oh, man, that's like 
who cares? And then like, is, is Joey Nella the worst not tire in history? Like, usually just <laughs> Spears just quickly just take, you know, he just quickly came and just unwrapped Holy, and then they had like, then they had a, the the brawl. The fight was horrible, you know. That guy was like, that was bad. That was bad stuff, you know. Without a tape going through a table, you know, he's not really that hardcore, you know. So. And I guess if if I'm gonna nitpick, like and this is the ultimate nitpick of all nitpick nitpicks. Omega needs a tan. He looks he's so little, pale. He's a, he needs to look like he's not half asleep all the time. I know he's up late at night playing video games, but <laughs> like he just looks like hey, uh, what's up? I'm here, you know. Like where's that fire? I don't know. Where's there's that new Japan uh, Omega? We just haven't seen him yet. Yeah, I mean, he hopefully he's coming, but you know, he's he's got other stuff to do, and so this is more than just uh, he's more than just a performer uh, as well as these other guys. Well, Tony Khan needs to tell Omega, bro, kick back on wasting t- all day trying to book Swole versus <laughs> Emi Sakura. All right, like it's just like too much, dude. Just yeah, fo- it's okay to focus on your stuff right now. Let's not worry about. Swole and Emi Sakura going through a commercial break. Oh, my God. That match was brutal. Well, I mean, he was trying to get them to do, like, a Kenny Omega match. <laughs> See, that's, this is a match that maybe, I don't know, I don't know, whatever. The women's division is just uh, just annoying as hell to me. It's just, it's just not interesting at all. All right. So, I know I've been a little negative on this show, but I think the thing that I loved the most and I thought was so well done was the you know i mean luchasaurus and and sammy guevara uh obviously everyone knew okay that was just a match to sort of build to what we wanted to see which was jericho and jungle boy and jungle boy does this roll up on jericho and marco stunt counts Mm -hmm. three and jericho's so fantastic in selling of it and it just teases you know whatever they're going to do next week and i just thought this was so perfect you know that the jericho was awesome on announcing kickbacks caliber and tony ski of on out of out of the announcing booth and i mean the guy is just uh he's i i don't know i i'm i may vote for him as you know the wrestler of the year in the observer awards he's been so good He's been entertaining, but it's it's funny. Like I, you know, I listen to Jim Cornette's podcast on a regular basis. It's just to me, it's so entertaining. And this came up like the like they 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 reviewed the the week before with you know Marcus Stunt was hitting the knees right and uh, that whole scenario. But he basically laid out this this what happened like of one of many scenarios that he laid out of how they could book this you know because it's an it's an old story you know yeah. the young kid that lasts 10 minutes with the veteran and i mean he booked it out for like weeks within like you know two minutes like he's such a genius when it comes to booking um so and it's funny when they in one of the scenarios was you know the the, the baby young the young gun babyface gets a pin not official but where like someone counts to fall for him you know like 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 you've seen it with with the Rock and Roll Express and Ric Flair when uh, Ricky Morton pins Ric Flair on TV but Rock Robert Gibson counts the counts the pin so I just thought it was funny after listening to that literally just listening to that. And then the night the day before, and then seeing that happen on AEW, it was just, it was just kind of funny to me. And uh, but yeah, it, it, it was it was uh, it was good. Um, I thought it was that part was good. The the, the Luchasaurus or Sammy Guevara match, not good. <laughs> I think I think Luchasaurus, Luchasaurus can't really move right now. 
Uh, he's yeah, he has still has that injury, right? The hamstring injury. But like I, you know, that, I thought I saw he just got exposed in long matches. Honestly, I think he's he's good coming in with the hot tag and and hitting his big moves and or doing a quick squash match, you know, with like a, like like he did with Peter Alvon or something like that. But I thought going long, I think he's definitely has uh, has some limitations for sure. Was there anything else on this show that you want to talk about? I mean, MJF's promo was oh, amazing. Yeah, that was he's 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 so good, and he's like what twenty two. My God, he's uh, he's he he's he's fun to watch, man. I I love. I can't wait. Like, I'm glad we got him because like on this show because I was been complaining the last couple weeks. Like, we need more MJF on this show. You know, yep. he, the top heel in your company needs to be. Um needs to be on the tv every week in my opinion and uh so i guess they're building up to january 1st they're making that a special night which is cool um some kind of special stipulation right so we'll see what what, what kind of match that is i'm guessing I'm cody guessing said MJ- cody said whatever it takes to get him in the ring even even was gonna give him the red bottoms i wonder, <laughs> i wonder if it's gonna be like we're gonna wrestle if you can beat the butcher the blade the bunny <laughs> no not the bunny but and maybe maybe warlord's first match and like he just you know he doesn't get to mgf i wonder if that's like gonna happen or something mm-hmm. that kind of scenario mm-hmm. so I don't, I don't think i don't really want to see them touching until pay-per-view you know yep. i want to see cody get that first not one punch in on him maybe the week before the pay-per-view he kind of gets a couple shots and 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 warlord pulls out mgf and they hightail it out there but like i really wanted to where they're just oh man we, we gotta pay that money to see it you know mm-hmm. I, I hope and I I agree. Think cody and cody is that guy you know he's he he's he knows how to book his stuff and you know he's and so i hope i hope he's, he's thinking that way too um, and I, I like the dark order thing. I thought it was it was weird enough and intriguing enough. Uh, I don't. I'm still not sure about the Brandy Rhodes uh, nightmare family stuff. And I don't. Yeah, who's that guy supposed to be that was uh, sitting in the chair? <laughs> well, I found out through Jim Valley. He's the one that um, um, I think it was on the Portland message board on Facebook. He. Uh-huh. Wrote, is Dr. Luther, and I'm like, oh my god, Dr. Luther. I haven't heard from Dr. Luther in a long time. Um, Jericho's Canadian, friend, though, right? Jericho's longtime friend. Um, so there's another <laughs> another friend getting the job. Um, <laughs> I only dealt with Dr. Luther once, and we did a, uh, I think it was like 2006. We, Tom Caster, and I went with our, the worst road trip in history to Portland, Oregon. Because there's this, uh, they're trying to get the territory started up again. You know, they had like a local TV show, so we wanted to go do local TV. We basically just went up there to, to kind of show up and get booked. Um, you know, I, I didn't get booked that night. I brought my stuff. They, they, you know, they didn't need an extra manager, but Tom got booked as a referee. And I was, but but to me, I wasn't disappointed because I always like to see how things work at different companies. And and Doctor Luther was a booker of that show. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't impressed. <laughs> it was kind of like, like very vague and blah, and just nothing, not, not, not that, nothing that I thought was interesting. The show wasn't that great either. But um, you know, it was a, the longest road trip in history that Tom Caster and I will talk about a lot. And <laughs> uh, it just went on forever. And stopping Modesto to. <laughs> I can't get into it right now. It's just too much. But, but yeah. Anyways. Um, 
Yeah, so I wasn't that impressed with Dr. Luther. I've seen him wrestle before, not impressed with his wrestling. Uh, he used to be, I think he did stuff in FMW, you know, back in the day, and, and you know, working with Sapu and stuff like that. So I think he's maybe, maybe he's the, maybe the one, maybe he's the one that's manipulating Brand, getting in her head or something like that. Or, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how he fits in with, but here's my issue with it. Like, when I found out it was Dr. Luther, because I knew it wasn't Cody, I mean, uh, Dustin, excuse me. I thought, I didn't think, I thought maybe it was Dustin's mom that just shaved her head, which I mm-hmm. thought would have been really cool. Um, but, like, you know, no one knows Dr. Luther if, even the hardcore fans are probably, now, these hardcore fans of today, they, they, they probably don't even know that that deep of cut of Dr. Luther, right? So, yeah, yeah. So, like, with a guy that's not a, not a, not a surprise, it doesn't mean anything. He's not a, he's not a name. So, like, don't do a surprise or a mystery guy when, when they don't mean anything. So, I think you should just had it, they showed him or just not teased it. Like, just have him show up and do something, in my opinion. That's, that's like an old school thinking, you know, you know, if the guy's not a big name enough and don't make him a mystery partner or, or a mystery surprise. And I mean, you know, the other big thing is just this Ambrose invitation to join the inner circle. He's not joining. He's going to tease them and tease them and, and get them to think that that he's joining and then he's not going to join. And they are setting up the uh, probably the match for Revolution, mm-hmm. which is uh, the late February pay-per-view. And they're going back to Chicago, even though I know it's a diff- it's not exactly the same building, but uh, they're they're you know, they I know they're they're going to run Chicago every year for one of their pay-per-views so uh this this revolution pay-per-view is also going to be in chicago uh and uh and yeah so um yeah i think i mean i think that's it i think that's most you, of it unless there's anything else what did you think of that opening segment though did you like it uh was it so too long? i i missed most of it because hmm. uh i i got i got to dave's a little bit late but I, it just see it, i mean I, I, it feels like what you do when you have two months to, you know to to mm-hmm. really build out a match, and yeah. I, I mean, it's just one. You know, you they could have done a number of things. They're like, oh, this will this will work, and this will get us, you know, uh, two or three weeks into, you know, into it before we really have to do anything. Like, I mean, yeah. they've done it so many times, right? Like you mentioned on our on our uh, Facebook group, the DDP NWO thing. There's the Daniel Bryan Wyatt family thing, which was done a little bit differently because Daniel Bryan did actually join the Wyatt family mm-hmm. but before getting out of it. But I mean, it's just a it's just an old wrestling story that that you know has happened time and time again. You know who 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 has you know who has uh, who's babyface enough to to not want to join the NWO? Like that's kind of you know. I think like the opening. I I I mean I dig like right from the first minute. Like Ambrose has a great song, a great entrance. I love how they follow him from the back as he goes through the crowd. Um, like I was like, okay, this is cool. I like this. And then here comes Jericho. And I'm like, cool. But then like, it was the old, like, join us, you know, or, mm-hmm. like, and, and, and then of course, Ambrose did nothing, just sat there and had like a, a, a look on his face. Obviously, you know, obviously he's, he's not going to be a stupid baby face. He's going to be smarter than, you know, than, than he's giving on and he's going to have something that's going to, I just thought maybe like, cause the, the whole like focus right now is on jungle boy and Chris Jericho, maybe don't do it this week. Maybe do it some other time, and like I said, with the Jericho, like with the, with the sorry, excuse me, Dallas Page NWO thing, I like how it was all one segment, you know, and didn't didn't drag out for weeks, and you know, I I thought maybe they, you know, he should just come out this cool ass entrance. He just defeats was Alex Reynolds who um, 
end up being that Dark Order segment later. Beats him quickly, gets on mic, just calls out, get your, you know, boo-boo ass out here. And, and out comes, you know, you hear the music. Oh, here comes the, the, the Judas song. Here comes Jericho. But it's not. It's uh, actually Sammy Guevara. And he's like, I'm sorry, Jericho has no time for you right now. And mm-hmm. just walks away. And, like, I think that, you know, that's a cool tease without doing a lot. Maybe Jericho, after he gets pinned by the Phantom Pin by uh, 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 Jungle Boy, maybe he's pissed off and the camera's still on him. He's pissed off what happened. Jungle Boy and them are celebrating. Out comes Ambrose. You know, music starts hitting. He starts coming down the aisleway. But then they hide. And, you know, Jericho hightails out of there. So there's that kind of tease I thought they could have done would have been really cool. Yeah, no, I, there, there's so many things that they could do. And I think I think some of the frustration with the fam, fan base is like, oh, they're doing lots of things that WWE has done in the past. And the problem with that is... <laughs> the problem well, is like a lot of things from the past have been done before that. You know, right, too, right, right. So. WWE is not the only one. And, and some of this stuff works and it's very easy and, and they put their own spin on it. But th- that, that is truthful. Like... You know, they, they very much said in the beginning they want to not be like WWE, and they've had to fall into some of that stuff because mm-hmm. it's just, you know, it's hard. It's not it's not something that's very easy. Well, let's be honest. Like, if, you have, if you've never booked TV before, what are you going to fall back to? Things you grew up watching and doing. Like, I did the same thing when I was booking APW. I took a lot of scenarios that I, that I liked from Mid-South and Smoky Mountain, WCW, of course, like, especially the NWA growing up as a kid, like, you know, you know, like, rebooked in my, in my, my version of, you know, Sting and Ric Flair, um, stuff like that, and even some small angles. Like, you just, you just kind of rebook it, but make your own little spin on it. And, you know, I think AEW's, they're doing their best at it. And, and like we say every week, like, they're, they're learning, you know, they're, they're, it's, 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 it's all on the fly. And I know we, I give them a lot of shit and I get a little frustrated. It's because my, my, my brain, as you know, booking always works with booking. It's always about booking and how they're doing it. And I just get frustrated with stuff. But, uh, but, but like, I, I also know, like, cause, you know, I was a young booker at one point in time in 2008. And it, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's a hard thing to book this stuff, especially, especially weekly. Holy cow. That, that has to be a big time, big time challenge. Yeah. So next week, we will have a big review of both shows. I think NXT is going to win the ratings. I don't. I, I, I do wonder if they actually finally catch AEW in that coveted eighteen to forty nine. Next week might be the mm. week, but both 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 companies are are definitely putting uh, putting some good stuff out there. So it should be a cool? fun. It should be a fun night. Isn't it so exciting and being and so cool that to be excited? Like I'm excited for next week. Oh yeah for for you for the U.S. wrestling product. I can't wait to see this show. Other than stuff going on, I want the stuff live. I'm talking about a TV show sitting in front of my TV. Oh, yeah. Watching. Uh, I mean, it hasn't felt like this in a very, very long time. I know the first week of the the, the wars, but, like, other than just seeing what they're going to do, like, there's actual matches to be excited about. And that makes me, the pro wrestling fan in me just, just loves it. And I think I may have to watch the two-hour version of NXT next you week. You better start watching the two-hour version. <laughs> I love the one-hour version so much. Uh, okay, uh, so w- one quick thing is uh, Russell Kingdom, the, the lineups came out for the two Tokyo Dome shows. We'll talk about that probably next week, maybe the week after. There's no real rush to talk about it because it's you know probably not going to change between now and, and or, uh, January 4th. But uh, I do quickly want to talk a little bit about TLC. This is a pretty flat pay-per-view to me. There's nothing on this show to me that is must-see. 
And that's uh, that's frustrating. I, I think maybe you know Kabuki Warriors and, and Becky and Charlotte is probably the most interesting thing. Um, you know Roman and Corbin. Like I know some people are kind of into that story. I'm not really into that story, but you know Roman Reigns is going to be good. Uh, Bray Wyatt and the Miz, blah. <laughs> like uh, just just a really sort of a flat show. Like I can't like imagine giving the option of watching WWE TLC. Or the NXT show next Wednesday, like I like, I think that's an easy pick of which one I'm more interested in. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I'm not I'm not into the show either. I'm not, nothing uh, has got me really interested into anything. I mean, not even the Kabuki Warriors versus Becky Lynch and Charlotte has really that interest. Just this 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 at least last year there was the first ever women's you know TLC match, right? Mm-hmm. And then I was there live for that in San Jose. But yeah, that like, was a fun show. Yeah, overall that was a fun show. So Dean, Dean and Daniel, Seth, Dean and Seth sucked, but that yeah, was a fun show. Daniel Bryan and a, was it AJ? Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Who's uh, AJ working this show? Uh, I don't. What's think the card? <laughs> okay, so I so they they didn't have anything really up until mm-hmm. last Friday, I think. So here's what what Wikipedia has now. You know, usually they're up to date, but uh, it's possible that that some of this may not be up to date, but. Roman Reigns and King Corbin, New Day against the Revival. That should be fun. They're, they always have mm-hmm. fun matches. By the way, New Day podcast is must hear. That mm-hmm. podcast is so fun. They're, the first podcast uh, was just kind of put like how they kind of got together as a group. The second podcast is here are all of the WWE names that they wanted to name us, and let's just make fun of all of them. And it was, it was hilarious. Big E. That's great. Big E is gosh that guy has so much talent amazing why is he not a single star oh my god so great um bray wyatt and the miz and he's not the fiend in this match he's bray wyatt uh alistair black against buddy murphy kabuki warriors against becky lynch and charlotte rusev against bobby lashley that's a tables match by the way the the kabuki warriors and, and becky and charlotte is a tlc match um and then the Viking Raiders have issued an open challenge for their hmm. belts. Uh, oh, and uh, Roman Roman and Corbin is also a TLC match. Okay, that's so it. So that, that's it so far. Like supposedly, you know, I know they were teasing Kevin uh, Kevin Owens and Seth Rollins, but it's as of today, it's not on the show. Rollins is hurt, right, or something to that regard, or something, or does he yeah. have some kind of injury? I, I'm not exactly sure what's going on. Um, yeah, nothing really stands out. But what kind of gets me curious is to see Bray Wyatt as Bray Wyatt in that match with Miz. You know, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, me. I mean, I, I just I just assume that he's Bray Wyatt so that it's not a 30-second squash and that's so we don't have to watch it in uh, in uh, Nintendo Virtual Boy color. I'm, I'm super happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so I think that I think that's it. Um, that's it for us. And and you know I'm going to bring back Jason to talk about uh, uh, the 1993 Raw show that that we watched. But really appreciate you coming on, man. I did not expect it to happen. We were all sort of ready to to, to bring on somebody else, but you you know you were able to make some time and just uh, again you know congratulations to you and and katrina and then and the family's growing and and all that good stuff and you know it, I, i'm sure uh 
having a newborn is not easy. So, you know, we, there may be times when, you know, we bring on some more people to kind of give you a little bit of, of room to, to get your stuff together and get some sleep. But overall, man, that it's, uh, it's, it's, it's all good stuff. The, uh, the fight game podcast family is growing. So yeah, future episodes, since we tape late at night, there might be some run-ins. So not only Kaylee crying, <laughs> but uh, the wife coming in was shushing me like the librarian gimmick. And uh, But I also want to say real quick, real quick, real quick, a guy to look out for, NXT UK brand, Ridge Holland. I'm telling that guy has superstar, superstar, superstar is. potential. Ridge Holland, look him up. Watch this episode. Go to your... WWE Network plug um, <laughs> and uh, uh, watch the latest episode of NXT UK Ridge Holland you go to his match um, this guy has Brock Lesnar potential I think possibly so interesting we'll see. interesting yeah. all right uh, all right we're gonna uh, I'm gonna give Jason uh, another ring again to bring him back on thanks John thank you all right Jason is back to talk the December 13th 1993 episode of Monday Night Raw. And please tell me how old you were when this aired. I would have been three years old. Uh, <laughs> not even watching wrestling. Too worried about Barney the Dinosaur uh, at this point. Uh, I don't know. What were you doing in 19 December 13th, 1993? Uh, let's see. I think I was a senior in high school. Senior in high school not watching this product live because you had better things to do. <laughs> Yeah, I you know John and I've been talking about this throughout the season uh, because I was trying I was like there's some stuff that I really really remember and there's other stuff that I absolutely do not remember so I was yeah I was totally in and out with this product because of being a senior in high school and and other things but um, you know being that you were three I, I I don't imagine you really started watching WWE for another two or three years. Uh, did, when did you go back to watch this stuff, or have you ever watched it before? Well, this Raw stuff, I mean, you could find some of it through YouTube, but, like, Raw wasn't available in Canada until 1995 on the new VR. Like, so we didn't get Raw until then, but I didn't get into the product until, like, the summer of 94. So when I was four, like, just, you know, you leave it on the cartoons and Vince's plan worked of, we'll get kids right after the cartoons. And bam, I was hooked right in the summer there with the whole Undertaker versus Undertaker thing and Brett versus Owen in the steel cage. The build to SummerSlam 94, which, I mean, you guys, if you keep going chronologically with this stuff, will get there by about a year's time, I guess. Not even. Uh, but, yeah, that's when I got into it and discovered WCW shortly after that. But, uh, yeah, couldn't get to see this, but seeing it back i mean i really kind of wish i got to to live through this and or see it live because some of those crowds especially in the manhattan center were really cool uh especially for some of those moments like you know the one two three kid win or um you know sean michaels losing the intercontinental title to marty Jannetty. um but you know a lot of it is definitely skippable Especially yeah. those Rod Bartlett eras. I mean, thank God you've gotten past that. <laughs> that was rough. But, I mean, we're here towards the end of 93, heading into really the start of the new generation era. So just to lay the groundwork here, last week was Bobby Heenan's last episode on Raw. He is soon to head to WCW. <laughs> and so who replaces him on this episode? Well, maybe the only guy who was 
at his level uh, as a color commentator. I don't know, depending on your taste. I know a lot of people love Jesse. A lot of people love Jerry Lawler. For me, it's corny A1 and, and, and Heenan uh, A2. And and so, you know, when, when Heenan leaves, I'm bummed because he, he's been the best. He's really been, like, the best thing about this show. But he gets replaced by Jim Cornette, who is absolutely tremendous on this show. So, uh, you know, kind of bummed, but still, you get you get replaced by someone who's fantastic. Um, they, they're doing this goofy thing where Savage, because he, uh, he decided to go after Crush... Jack Tunney kicked him out of the announcing booth, and so he couldn't announce anymore. He was back to being a full-time wrestler. But Todd Pettengill is super frustrated because like, that's his partner for this new Saturday show or Sunday show called WWE Mania. Maybe I think it was Saturday on the USA Network. So Pettengill, at some point during this show, cuts like a promo uh, on getting Savage back. So Vince does this 900 number, which is... Literally, just like stealing money from children and and marks. You know, I don't like that word, but it really is. It's what he's doing, and you know, obviously, he's already got a plan about what's going to happen on this show. But he's utilizing his fan base and milking them for their ninety nine cents a minute. So the the show starts with uh, Macho Man Randy Savage against Fatu, aka Rikishi. Um, it is a pretty fun match to kick off, but it is clear that it's, you know, it's the 1993 version of Savage versus the the one that, you know, we had just seen um, the year prior when he was kind of on that run with Flair. Uh, and then he was doing the stuff with uh, with the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, and so, you know, it, it's a, it's a I would say it's a little bit lesser version of Savage, but he is absolutely a star crowd loves him he i think this is maybe i want to i'm trying to think this could be his only match on monday night raw for the entire year so it's kind of like a treat and you know fatu is perfect for him this big dude scary guy bumps like crazy moves great um taking great bumps and you see you know savage wins with with the big elbow but what was your thoughts on this you know very small smaller version than you're used to of of 1993 randy savage well i mean they always wanted to have him just be back behind the microphone and gave him this little run for that that crush feud that eventually would they'd get their big payoff at uh wrestlemania 10 uh, that coming march but i thought this was actually a pretty cool match to see with uh fatu getting the singles push uh, or singles match i should say a year against the macho man where they kept doing the uh, savage isn't smart enough to know that if you attack fatu's head it's not gonna work he ran his head <laughs> into the uh, steps into the mat and just got met up with the the crescent kick from fatu uh but savage though did take some like a pretty nasty bump for 1993's sake where uh he took that backdrop right from the ring to the floor i mean even alpha got involved so but i mean the finish was just kind of whatever savage gets the win and uh the fans still love him i don't know how vince couldn't hear those cheers or realize that there was still a lot left tire in the tread for the macho man but uh, unfortunately randy savage was uh you know just stuck really in that crush feud where they were on again and just a lot of house shows uh and going into wrestlemania and stuck with todd pettengill on mania every saturday morning <laughs> yeah uh, okay, so there's a there's a 
little bit of like an uh, uh, a little video package here. Uh, say no to drugs. Oh, this was unbelievable. Looking back at it, from Lex Luger Le- from Lex. Bad, pretty bad look for my guy Lex. At, you know, if you at, at what happens later in his life, but man, what 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 a video. Um, yeah, say no to drugs unless I'm in the hotel room with Miss Elizabeth. Oh God. Um, so uh, the next match is the Smoking Guns, who kind of had a little bit of a push uh, when they came in, and then we didn't really see them all that much. They weren't even on the Survivor Series match, uh, and there they have a, a match against Steve Smythe. And Jim Massinger, Vince calls him Steve Smith, so maybe it was Steve Smith, but it was S M Y T H. Um, could be Smith, like Ryan Smith for the Emmy. Could be, Oilers. could be, could be. Uh, and so this this match was really mostly uh, Jim Cornette and Vince McMahon arguing, yes, about how Lex Luger can be in the Royal Rumble, and and Jim is absolutely right because. Part of Lex getting the title shot at SummerSlam was based on the fact that if he didn't win the title, he could not get another title match against Yokozuna. So Jim is like, hey, this Royal Rumble thing is coming up. Like, how can Lex be in this match? Because I know the winner of this match gets a shot at Yoko. Like, but if Lex wins, then he can't get it. So why is he even in the match? And Vince was like, it's kind of, Hemming and hawing, like he didn't really have a good answer. Um, oddly, Captain Lou Albano is like watching at ringside. <laughs> yeah, where yeah. he's scouting talent. He, a, a, a very skinny and old Captain Lou. That's the Captain Lou I unfortunately grew up with. So when I found out about Captain Lou and his great stuff from the seventies and the eighties, it was like, whoa, he was a huge man. Kind of took me by surprise, but yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it's time for another uh, uh, hotline for Lex Luger coming up uh, <laughs> to spoiler alert for people. But that's one of the reasons why he got in there. But, yeah, the Smoking Guns, you know, a tag team, just, you know, the Cowboys. But a pretty like for 93, a, a really good work rate team, some innovative offense. Very athletic. Of, yeah, very athletic. A lot of good double team moves. And you can see why this team really continued to, you know, stay the course and, you know, things would work out and be a team that had been in that company. Both those guys were in that company for what, up until 99 or late 2000, Billy Gunn even longer. The um, the moves were very inventive. Yeah. I don't know if I want to be taking those things, oh, but God, no. I mean, because these guys are, you know, just huge dudes throwing these these poor guys. So then again, Cornette, would you want to take those or Steiner brother moves? Smoking uh, guns all day. <laughs> yeah, I mean that 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 move that that pile driver where where Scott yeah. kind of sits down like that looks ter- that looks crazy. Um, but the, so Cornette has a joke. I don't know if you caught this, but they start talking about Jack Kevorkian. Do you oh, know who Jack Kevorkian is? Yeah, the one that was helping with assisted suicide, but then got sued for his practice and ended up losing it and being put in jail for the rest of his life. So, Cornette says something to the effect of, uh, the, you know, he, he's very popular in Atlanta or something like that. Yeah, I and heard I, that. And I, I'm pretty sure that was a diss at WCW, yeah. <laughs> basically saying WCW is dead, um, which in 1993, I mean, they were barely breathing. So, 
so uh, Billy Gunn beats uh, I don't even know which which guy he beat, but he used uh, Rick Steiner's old bulldog from the top rope as as the finisher here. Yeah, I mean, a, a quick win, 250 for the smoking guns, and then they rode off into the sunset uh, with a, a victory in hand and uh, moving on for, to, I, I don't know, I I forget who they even really would end up feuding with because Money Inc.'s no longer an option, and I guess they got to wait a couple more months before the Heavenly Bodies get in there for that, them to be a feud. So IRS is next, and IRS has been one of the... One of the great treasures for 1993 Raw because Money Inc. was great early early in the year. And then uh, DiBiase leaves, and so it's just Rotunda by himself. And he's just, like, such a rock-solid guy. And, and the thing is, is when you watch him in these matches, you sort of like, wow, he is, like, alarmingly large, of like a bigger guy than, than you would have even realized. And, and look, you know, back in the mid to late 80s, you know, he wasn't nearly as gigantic as some of those other guys. But, man, you know, when he's throwing around these these uh, enhancement guys, he's a big dude. And he'd been winning a lot of moves or a lot of matches with just just a, you know, a, a simple, you know, as we would say, a lariat, which looked beautiful. But on, on, on this match, he beats the great Todd Mata with a back suplex of all, you know, of all moves. He wins with a back suplex. Also, though, the other, the storyline here is that in his briefcase, he has some of Razor Ramon's gold, and so that's going to lead to their Royal Rumble feud. Well, did you see when Scheister came to the ring, his button-down shirt had IRS embroidered on it? That should have been easy merch to sell. For the kids <laughs> that want to be tax attorneys, buy the IRS embroidered shirt. Now it would be like $45. But, yeah, I mean, we. I think, you know, I, that IR, this is the IRS I grew up with where – I mean, pretty, you know, you could see how put together he was with his work in the ring. Such a well-oiled machine in there. But, I mean, his promos always incited the crowds. And that we're going to that Rumble feud with Razor. Uh, but I think his mo- most underrated work was his feud that he's going to get to with Tatanka, where Tatanka didn't pay the gift tax on headgear. But Todd Mata. Can we talk about Todd Mata's gear? Like <laughs> horrendous, like black with like this. It looked like he ripped it off Diamond Dallas Page from uh, WCW at that point. Like just awful. But yeah, I thought the back suplex was, I mean, it wouldn't be a finish today, but just such a devastating, like n- nice looking back suplex. And the sh- and the, the tax man gets the victory and moves on to waiting for IRS to, or Razor Ramon to, you know, pay his taxes for not for the gold that is now in his briefcase and been uh, taken away. All right, so there is an interesting commercial. Now, the WWE commercials uh, during Raw of 93 have told me quite a story about what they think of their fan base. There's the one where there's a really hot woman laying in yeah. bed next to the guy, and he doesn't want anything to do with her. But then his alarm goes off, and it tells him that Monday Night Raw is on, and he jumps out of bed like he's so excited. In this one, it was uh, Yokozuna having a nightmare. He was dressed as Santa Claus, and uh, he, it, you know, he's seeing all these kids. He's got to be nice, and he wakes up out of this nightmare. And Mister Fuji runs over and goes, "Oh, you know, it was a nightmare." And I just thought, Mister Fuji and Yokozuna sleep in the same room. 
what's going on here? <laughs> well, I mean, he's got to uh, look over his champion here, make sure he doesn't, you know, roll out of bed and hurt himself or something. But, I mean, I, f- I forgot about this commercial at all. Like, I remember seeing that footage of Yoko with the kids as Santa, but that was in when they were in tribute of him when he passed away. Um, but... This was I thought was like what is why are they making Yoko Santa like he's the most he's the champion he's the most dastardly heel in the company at this point and he's you know sitting with the kids right around Rockefeller Square in New York City but no it was just a dream just a bad dream and uh, you know most people when they look back on this run for Yoko as champion was a bad dream for a lot of people. <laughs> um, okay, so let's go to The Undertaker having a rare Monday Night Raw match. I, I, if I think about it, maybe like he's had only three all year or something. So, you know, special guy. He's one of their top guys. He's about to have a championship match at Royal Rumble with Yokozuna. He faces a guy by the name of J.S. Storm. And... They start talking about uh, Vince and Jim. They start talking about this casket match and how Jim, you know, Vince is like saying, you know, did you double cross Yoko? Like, why is it Undertaker's match that, you know, he he's the challenger? You know, all of a sudden you put Undertaker or Yoko in this match and Jim's like, ah, you know, they screwed us with the paperwork. They slipped it in and the contract. And so I'm like empathizing with Yoko here. Like, this is not this is not, you know, this is not being fair to the champ that his first title defense against this guy, at least on pay-per-view, I know they had, they had wrestled house shows and, and elsewhere, um, but you know, this, this first title match, why does Yoko got to play by the Undertaker's rules? Like, why isn't it like, uh, you know, a straight match to, to set up a, a bigger match? Obviously, there's bigger fish to fry in uh, in 94 for, for Yokozuna, but it just it just it doesn't make sense from a booking perspective that you know this baby face challenger gets to make the rules for the match. Well, I mean, it's just I guess the logic of uh, Jim Cornette and the uh, Cornette camp here get kind of what they deserve because they put that stipulation in the contract for Lex Luger that that was the only title shot he was going to get. And they agreed to it. And I guess Paul Bearer and The Undertaker, uh, you know, come out here and say, like, this is our match here and we're going to add a stipulation. And I guess it goes to show just how, I guess, bad of a American spokesperson uh, Jim Cornette would be for the under uh, for Yokozuna at this point. But uh, yeah, I mean, we're going towards a casket match. And I love how they were like, oh, Undertaker's never lost in this match. I mean, true, but there'd only been one really in the company. And that was at Survivor Series 92. Like we'd only seen this match. This was going on be twice. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. And, you know, they got that match right without the nails being driven in the coffin. But, yeah, a rare match here for The Undertaker against uh, poor JS, not Lance Storm. <laughs> um, one of your favorites of this time frame, Double J. Oh, yes. Double J, they do. Basically, they do. I guess they didn't have new footage for him. And they're they're teasing that he has a match next week or the next show. And so they just put together like a a collage. I think Vince called it a collage, even though it's a video, Uh, a collage of all of the all of the videos that they've done on Double J Jeff Jarrett uh, for the past month or so. But tell me a little bit about your your love of, of Double J as you're a young child growing up. 
Well, it's with my baby tonight. I mean, it's the greatest country song of all time. <laughs> the only country song that I like. But I don't know. I mean, Jeff Jarrett, uh, just I guess it was maybe the promo spelling his name. That's J A double R E double T or J E double J E double F J A double R E double T. And the flashy gear that he wore and they gave him the light show entrance and stuff. I don't know. Just all that. And I saw him and Razor wrestle uh, for the Intercontinental title at the first show I ever went to. I, I, I liked those. But and we're about to come find out that really. Vince had no clue what to do with Jeff Jarrett once he uh, came on to their television because clearly he's being portrayed as this heel where his whole goal is to use the WWF to get him to stardom in country music. Uh, but like his promo pictures and stuff, he looks such like a baby face in all of them. Like just that that dynamic always kind of threw me off for a loof, but. I mean, Jeff Jarrett is now finally here, and he's strutting his way through and, uh, you know, going to be one of the, the top, I guess, work rate guys that the company does have. All right. So now we move on to um, Tatanka versus Ludwig Borger. Going to have another match. Uh, this is the match that, like, knocks Tatanka out of everything. He's such on a ride like one of the one of the best uh, things of, of this uh, raw 93 as well is Tataka is over like crazy week after week after week and then they just halt his his run Ludwig Borga finally beats him the only person to beat him so far chair shot to the back Yokozuna comes out does big you know does the bonsai drop on him so he's literally out he miss he gets pulled out of survivor series they so Undertaker takes his spot and now he's back. He's facing Ludwig Borga on Raw next week. So that's uh, that's something that they were building on this show. Yeah, um, I'm, yeah. The Hellraiser from Helsinki versus Tatanka. I mean, really, the, one of the biggest rematches they could ever do for Raw at that point. So Rick Martel against a, a guy by the name of Tim McNeeny. Uh, really fun heel. Uh, a heel uh, match with enhancement talent. Rick does a lot of cool stuff to to make the the fans believe that you know McNee has just an outside shot, but he does win with the Boston Crab. Rick also one of the highlights of, of Raw. I forgot how you know when I think of of Rick Martel, I think of. Um, you know the the early the early heel turn. You know, obviously Strike Force, and then the early heel turn, and and becoming the model. But I forgot that you know even as even as late as '93, he was still he still looked pretty good and still having some some really fun stuff. Oh, I mean, the best part for me was after he got the Boston Crab and his music hit. First of all, his music was so great. Like some of the best music that that company ever matched up. And then, you know, you just can see like how great of a, a worker he was, just how he moved and how fluid he was in the ring. And I mean, we guess people really got to fully see that in that little run he had in WCW in 98. Like he really forgot to realize how great he was. And then after the match, he uh, posed with a fan that had a picture of Rick Martel uh, in the crowd and those pictures were pretty interesting like we started the show with this 1984 promo picture of Hulk Hogan in the crowd that I thought was very interesting but yeah Rick Martel been uh, a great piece of uh, WWF television but really nowhere for him to go and you can see the writing on the wall that those guys from you know the, the late 80s to early 90s time in the WWF is is going away and it's time for the, the newer generation to take over 
So they replay a Superstars of Wrestling interview with Vince McMahon and Owen Hart. And Vince is like... Like, you know, Vince is not being unbiased, you know, interviewer here. He's like egging Owen on to the point of where Owen's like, yes, just call me a shadow. That's that's what you're trying to say. I'm I'm in Brett's shadow. And so in this uh, interview, basically, Owen challenges Brett to a fight. He challenges his brother, his 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 blood brother to a fight, and this is you know we're we're a few weeks in here with uh, with this Brett and Owen story, which uh, you know which is probably uh, one of the best stories that uh, Vince McMahon's WWE has ever has ever told. Oh, totally would agree with that. Like one of the feuds that got me into pro wrestling, and I remember seeing this promo, <laughs> excuse me, in the the video packages for SummerSlam '94, and I always thought. Why is Vince interviewing Owen in bed? Because his shirt <laughs> looked like pajamas. And, and like how it was cropped. I was just like, why is Vince interviewing Owen in bed? But, uh, I mean, he's out here challenging his brother. He wants to prove his worth. He wants to jump out of the shadow and, you know, fight his brother, Brett. Not have a wrestling contest. Fight his brother, Brett. And, I mean, we're about to get just... A roller coaster of emotions with those two Hart brothers. So Brett, in a rare match as well, you had Brett and Undertaker on this show on the sa- on the same show uh, faces the Brooklyn Brawler, and uh, you know it's a it, it's a rare treat to to get Brett on this show. He doesn't <clears throat> he doesn't wrestle often on Raw, which is a good thing because when he does it's uh, it feels like oh this is kind of cool uh brooklyn brawler you know one of their best enhancement talents uh back in that day and fun match obviously set up for brett to win strong and uh overall uh just kind of closed the show and uh, they announce next week the debut of double j so not really a whole lot going on you know it's kind of a little bit of um uh, you know, we're still only a couple couple of shows after Survivor Series, so they're kind of slowly building up. And you know, January is coming, and and so they'll go full steam ahead with the Royal Rumble. But you know, still an enjoyable show because you got to hear Jim Cornette do his thing, and uh, you got to see Brett and the Undertaker and Savage all in the same show. Like it, it was it was a show of like, oh, you know, where are our great baby faces who never wrestle on TV? Let's put them against you know some guys here. So good good stuff. Um, and uh, before we get out of here, because that's pretty much the end of this show, is uh, I wanted to give you the floor so you could talk about your podcast a little bit. I know, I know, you guys have been doing this since the beginning of, of Dynamite. So give you know, give people uh, where where they can find it, how you know how how they can listen to you, and then you know whoever I don't even know who your co-host is. Who's your co-host? So it's Kevin Laramie. He's a big soccer podcaster in uh, Canada, but he's launched his own podcasting network. So. Wanted to have wrestling involved with it, so 
he asked me and I'm very thankful for him because gives me to give my thoughts and uh, I guess totally a full reason to watch Dynamite every week. I mean, I would anyway, but uh, now it's they're on uh, his podcasting network, which have podcasts go straight to your iTunes or Spotify. Um, I'll give you the link, uh, Double G, just to put him in there. But yeah, there's we break down uh, Dynamite, you know, what we like, what we don't like from there. And even for when we get to the pay-per-views, which we now have that revolution pay-per-view coming up February 29th, we'll get into that as well. Um, but, you know, I, it's been fun looking at this show and kind of seeing, you know, the high of it starting to now where it's like at a point where the honeymoon phase is over and there's a lot of things that need to be fixed with AEW and uh, things that could be done better about a product that I still think is you know, you know, definitely counterculture and it's something I enjoy every week, but definitely a lot of the the honeymoon face has gone away from Dynamite. Yeah, uh, a little bit, but, you know, they're still very early and, yeah. and you know, they're they're trying out some stuff. So, uh, you know, as as John and I talked about, he, he's way harsher on that show than I am. But, you know, he, he comes from a old school booking background and, and a lot of the stuff that they do is sort of new school. So. Um, all right, yeah. So I will add. I will add the show if you just send me the link of where people can find the show. I will add it to the show notes. But you know, I know you were you know had a little bit of a cold and, and a cough today. So I really appreciate you, you know, sucking it up and yeah, and toughing it out. No, no, no. You're <laughs> you're you're doing me a favor, my friend. But uh, it was it was fun to to do it to do this, and then we'll do it again for sure. So uh, for John and Jason. I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.